Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode number 84. My name is Stephen Hill. His name is Renfrey Deadman. There he is. Hello. Renfrey Deadman. And um, this week, Renfrey Deadman. don't know why I keep using your full name. Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen on it. It's very good. Yeah, okay. Mm. So, <laughs> you seem delighted by it. Uh, it's the Controversy Special, Renfrey, starring yeah. Charles Manson, Varga Kernes, and Ian Watkins, sort of. Sort of. Uh, we, um, first you, of all... If you think we toe the line of controversy normally, you might might want to skip this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll do the Musicism Sting first. Go over to musicism.net. They're really good dudes. I mean, I don't know what your problem is with them, the people that haven't done this. Nearly 18 months we've been doing a show. Sort your shit out. To be clear, not addressing me. Not addressing you, absolutely uh, not. Addressing any of you fuckers who haven't signed up yet, you yeah. bastards. Why don't you want to be a better musician, a better singer, songwriter, guitarist or producer for nine ninety nine a month? Come on, you can do that. What's wrong? <laughs> Why? Why? I'm taking quite an aggressive... <laughs> you are uh, aggress- I, I've never towed the sort... I've never felt comfortable with the sort of aggressive, you must... <laughs> Give us money now. You might have to. You owe that to me. I've never felt comfortable <laughs> with that. Um, um, uh, so I just well. thought I'd give it. I thought I'd give it a new spin. Yeah, it's it? good. It's good. No, don't. Um, but musicism. Like, if if you are interested in improving your skills, musicism.net is a place to go. Nine let's face it, you're a dreadful person if you're not interested. Yeah, in I like the way that we're not on YouTube this week, and Renfrey's had some sort of fucking Frank Spencer esque day, haven't you, mate? Uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to warm into this. I do apologise. Yeah, uh, right, I'm, 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 I'm really angry, mainly with myself to be honest yeah so, so yeah. But, but i like the way that we don't have the youtube camera uh that which Remy actually went home to got nearly here went home to get it and didn't bring, didn't bring a kind of sd card so we still don't have uh, the youtube camera and yet you are doing looks to the camera a la sort of david brent style um martin freeman in the office like looking at the camera that stuff i'm saying even though the camera's not there well i've got used to it now. yeah i know yeah you're upsetting me steve carry on <laughs> Oh dear, controversy. Yeah, um, you can get nine ninety. Well, it's nine ninety nine a month for your courses on musicism. Get twenty five percent off when you put the code Riot into the checkout in capitals. On this week's show, we will be reviewing new albums and releases from Haggard Cat, Hillary Woods, Human Impact, Video Nasties, and Lauren Alder. Plus, the last trade off for a while gives us two classic bands doing a bunch of covers as we chat: Slayer's Undisputed Attitude versus Guns and Roses' The Spaghetti Incident. One thing we will not be reviewing, though, is the new Burzum album. So here's the thing. Good old Varg uh, has got a new record out. And we've sort of teased the last couple. Ha, we're going to review Burzum. Ah, ha, ha, we're going to review Burzum right now. It was mainly my idea. It's the sort of thing I like to do is just shout my mouth off willy-nilly and then let you <laughs> deal with the consequences later. You've literally just described your entire personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's our true. entire dynamic on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, but I was, you know, I've never had an opportunity to speak about Burzum. Like, you, you don't want to bring up Burzum for no reason. But with the new album no. coming out, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to actually talk about Burzum and the, the sort of the artistic side of what that project is mm-hmm. alongside the other troublesome things that Varg has going on. Mm. Mostly, I you thought... You wanted to mug him off though, didn't you? I wanted, you know, you don't want to say anything nice about uh, Burzum. So I got the record and that was sent to me in 
you know, I think actual Varg actually sent it to us. Yeah. Can we say that? I, I believe that is the case. Yeah. Thanks for listening, um, Varg, if you thanks, are listening. Varg. Yeah, we appreciate um, you saying We that. should probably fill in uh, Hoover Varg for Kernis's just in case people listening don't know. So, I mean, most of you yes. probably will. But so, uh, Varg for Kernis was... Um, Count Grishnach. Count Grishnach. <laughs> the yeah. notorious black metal musician uh, from the 90s. And... Um, he got a 21-year prison sentence for... Um, murdering Euronymous from uh, Mayhem. This is all correct, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you told me to say, I'm coughing through my tea there because the other day you said, make sure you say manslaughter and you said murder straight away. Oh, if so, I can have, haven't I? God, I'm <laughs> such a dick. So it's manslaughter. Uh, yes. He, he has been responsible for the death of another human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, served 15 years of his 21 years. Year sentence. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's um, been very repentant about it since. Um, that's sarcastic. Yeah, that's he hasn't sarcastic, at all. He's yeah. just been pretty fucking horrible, to be honest, for the last yeah. hour of many years. He wrote two books, one of which <laughs> has lots of uh, uh, neoprene pro-Nazi rhetoric in it. Yeah, nice Anti-Jewish guy. Anti-Jewish rhetoric. Yeah, Top exactly. guy. Top man. Um, Top bloke. Yeah, really comes across well. Uh, really hope this comes across as sarcasm as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, and... Um, and I just thought, you know, having heard a few bits of Burzum over the last sort of decade or so. Bits of Burzum. Uh, bits of nice, bits, bits nice. Bob's era Burzum. Bits of Burzum. I don't mind, you know, I, I have a kind of, I have a limited interest, to be perfectly honest, in the very sort of the first couple of waves of Norwegian black metal, if Same. I'm being perfectly honest. I do Same. like Dark Throne. Um, but yeah, you know, so I was never sort of fussed about Burzum, although, you know, early on. But then the shit he's come out with since... I was just like, I'm sure it's going to be an unlistenable pile of crap, like a fucking some sort of shitty Mortis album. And it is. I had to listen to it. I was like, <laughs> what a pretentious, boring, too long load of old nonsense. We can review this and go, what an idiot. Mm. Um, then I put a spanner in the works. Yeah, because Renfrey now has flipped completely to being a... <laughs> Huge fan of Burzum. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's let's address that. Um, no, I listened to the record once. Uh, it is ninety three minutes long, twenty three tracks, um, and um, painful. Thought it was okay to be yeah, honest. You quite liked it. Um, I quite liked it. I mean, you know, I, I don't love it, but um, I think I felt even more. Like I was a little bit uncomfortable about us coming on and just ripping the piss out of him. To be to be totally honest. Um, Coming on and actually going, yeah, I quite like this album made me feel even more uncomfortable. Which to you've be kind of done anyway now. Yes, um, but um, that's why we're not reviewing it yeah. per se and going into it in loads of detail. I mean, so here's what I will say, Renfrey. Instead of reviewing the album, instead of wasting too much more time on it, yeah. why don't you mention? Because you said it was all right because you like a lot of very ambient, um, sparse yeah. sounding sounding music. Why don't you name a bunch of bands who do this thing that he does but better? Um, and haven't ever killed anyone. Uh, <laughs> well, it is difficult to name bands that do exactly what it is because um, people who haven't been following Burzum's career, which is me and most people, um, might not know that he hasn't really been doing black metal albums for the last all coming up to 10 years. It's more kind of ambient, folky kind of stuff, um, which, you know, to be honest, is a bit of me. Um, and... I mean, for ambient records, it's not exactly the same, but I would totally recommend something along. If, if I want to put something on and just chill the fuck out, which I thought this was quite nice to do. 
for, mm. even though I felt really uncomfortable the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, that is a weird dichotomy. <laughs> it it was a weird dichotomy, but yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I absolutely adore Stars of the Lid. It's not the exact same type of ambience because it's a little bit more electronic-y. But, um, and, and Stars of the Lid, to be clear, if people are thinking, oh, God, is it any bad because it's 93 minutes? Well, Stars of the Lid's albums are generally around two hours, and I don't get bored during those records. Mm. Um, we reviewed a winged victory for the sullen uh not too long ago we did um which which again whilst not being exactly the same as this has an ambient quality to it i think mm. it's actually closer to a wardruna or something like that though in a sense but it's a far more chilled out wardruna and wardruna are infinitely better um but it's more that kind of neo mystical folk invoking you're reviewing it now. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah. Um, you know, when I said that, I thought you'd just go, yeah, fuck him off and listen to Stars yeah, of the sorry, yeah, much yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you anyway. just so desperate to talk about. No, 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 look, I'll stop there. Uh, I mean, like, like, yeah. It, I, so we're, we're not doing Burzum. Yeah. I, I, I thought it'd be funny. Um, anyway, yeah, I tell you what we did do the other day, Renfrey, which was good. Uh, and we still haven't released any of these yet, but we are going to be releasing them soon. It's down to you know, a bit of coronavirus. Uh, um, <laughs> Are we really going to blame coronavirus? Nah, don't know. Um, well, no, no, because people have been ill within the parameters That's true. of the right act, which means we haven't been able to sit down and decide exactly how we're going to wheel this out. So I just keep shooting my fucking mouth off. <laughs> but um, we've been... I mean, they haven't been ill with coronavirus. We should no, probably no, no. state, just to be clear. That we know of. As far uh, as we're aware, anyway. Yeah. Actually, I've not spoken to Darren for a while. Well, there's only one way to find out. Might give him a call. Yeah, after. give him a call. It's not the aspect, it's not the only way to find out, but you could message him as well. <laughs> I'll message him now, and if he messages back during the show, I'll let everyone know. Ah, uh, good, yeah. We make sure he's all right. So, um, uh, but we did sit down with Matt from Haggard Cat, and we recorded what was it, three and a half, nearly four hours, three hours, 45 minutes. Uh, I'd say three and a half hours. Three and a half hours talking about the wall, but I say we talking about the wall by Pink Floyd. Most of it, 80% of it, was me talking about Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, not just the album, the the concept, the film, the stage show, everything. Everything Pink Floydy. And uh, we went into some spectacular detail. We also learned quite a lot about you, didn't we, Renfrey? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've learned. We, we learned that I um, um, Pink Floyd are a big black gaping hole, hole. <laughs> in my knowledge Someone's and i built a wall around you from pink floyd <laughs> i think yeah yeah well you know i i mean i you, you don't tend to find out stuff about a band until you're a fan of them is mm. my defense yeah that. and i've never been a fan of pink floyd um there are a couple of very embarrassing things that i say and didn't realize in i, I the... mean if you can judge someone by how how much they like a band by how much pointless and nerdy shit they know about a band, then you and I are basically the complete opposite end of the spectrum. When it comes to Pink Floyd, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to yeah, Pink yeah, Floyd. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. It's probably the best hype I've ever been on a podcast. It was, I've always it, wanted to talk about that record. It was very, very good. And you you really deep dived into it. And um, it was a fascinating um chat and uh chat it was a fascinating monologue uh from steve mainly <laughs> although again matt chucked in quite a bit matt chucked in quite a bit matt's a huge fan we're going to be talking about matt and his band later um 
I will I will also point out though that you actually purposefully asked me not to do any yes I did yeah yeah on this yeah. record so I feel like I could be ever so slightly vindicated on that no no although no, when you hear the actual things that I said mm. maybe not it was quite good to get someone who doesn't have a strong connection to Pink Floyd and is just coming in to review that piece of music from like forty years ago and review it and kind of think about it with today's terms it's interesting yeah. i think that's yeah. kind of one yeah. of the interesting things yeah. because obviously i've been listening to it for i'm glad we forever. did that it's yeah it, it was we, really we good. suspected it would be make for an interesting dynamic and i think it did mm. anyway that's coming soon keep looking at the keep looking at the camera yeah i know you do you keep looking at the camera i'm doing it that's amazing you i'm still doing, doing it now i'm still doing it i'm still actually doing it now i'm actually uh okay cool um also this week we put out a two and a half hour long podcast regarding the new code orange album underneath which if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out comes out today we've gone on about it every single day uh if you want to know our thoughts about it in depth hopefully you've listened to it by now if you haven't and you're wondering why we aren't yeah. reviewing code, orange, the code today, orange review it's there uh, it's there and we also spoke to jamie and reba and it was fucking great and they um they've seemed to have liked it oh my goodness they liked it very very much yeah, by the they, yeah. They, they seem to really like it so um, we're dead chuffed uh again and it's, got, it's had a great response as a whole, actually. It's been had a really, really and good response. Just so thank you for everyone. In case you can't be bothered to listen to it, uh, just listen to the new Code Orange, our podcast, that is, and the review. You you really need to listen to the, the Code Orange record. This is a strong week for music, but fuck me. Mm. The Code Orange album is out today. I'm re- I have to say, I'm really, I'm really glad we did it this way because you're absolutely right. This is, spoiler alert, this is a really strong week for music. And yeah. I'm glad that we can highlight these releases without having the code orange shadow over over it because i think i think it would have overshadowed yeah and i think these records absolutely deserve to be highlighted and Mm -hmm. you know so if you want all the code orange stuff it's there Mm um and if you don't you don't have to listen to it so don't don't know although you should um here's something i liked i like this rimfrey and i don't really talk about twitter beef ever on the show really because it's kind of lame you know, it's kind of just, it's kind of tired, it's kind of lame. But I never thought I would wake up last <laughs> Saturday to see Trivium versus Lost Profits Twitter beef. Oh, yes. Ah, uh, fucking, that is a lovely little throwback <laughs> to, to another time. Mid 2000s. Yeah. Um, although saying that, Trivium remain as, uh, having heard the new Trivium record, um, Trivium remain as relevant as they ever have, I think. That's Excellent. just a sort of. For the future we'll be um, doing that in a few weeks yeah so it's not usually something we would talk about uh but this was a bizarre thing to see lee gaze of no devotion formerly of lost profits tweeted a now deleted tweet saying heard the new trivium song still fucking shit about as heavy as a 5p plastic bag right now fine that's what you think um fair enough uh paulo it didn't, it didn't denote which supermarket the 5p plastic bag comes from though. they're basically all the same aren't they really? i mean well has anyone actually weighed them? No. Yeah, I mean, that's the stupidest thing about his tweet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and then Paolo, Paolo Gregoletto from Trivium came back and quote tweeted it and said, Trivium has zero paedophiles in the band. I can't say the same for the dude below. Ooh. Fair. Ooh. And fair, it was a comment, bit of a pile on, on um, Lee after that. It wasn't pretty. I'm not sure what we've learned from all of this at Renfrey. Probably um, nothing, but um, Twitter other, is a source of hatred. Yeah, other than Paolo from Trivium does not fucking f- fuck around. Doesn't fuck about. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's an odd thing for. Uh, I, I said this in the Code Orange review because what Lee Gaze did afterwards 
was he posted a clip of the new a song from the new Full, is, Full of Hell album. Yeah. And went, no, this is heavy. Yeah. And it's like, well, yes, that is heavy. Yes. But they're not the same type of band in any way. What's, are you really listening to Trivium? And it's such... It and wanting to hear Full of Hell? It's such an immature, lame argument, which I kind of thought had disappeared, except among amongst the most kind of bloodstockian, you know... Types. It's like, mate, you're in lost profits. I'm not being funny. Well, exactly. It's fucking exactly. It's it's insane. I, you know, it's insane to. It, I mean, pot kettle black, and it's not as if Trivium have ever said that we are the heaviest band ever to do it. They're not Slipknot who have said shit like that, mm. who are pretty heavy, but compared to Full of Hell, maybe not so much. Yeah, compared to Behemoth. Uh, who they took out with them recently, maybe not so much, you know. So there are bands who 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 come out there and go, we are the heaviest thing ever. We'll slice your eyeballs down your eyeball face. Heavy, you know, like all that bullshit. And I don't I don't recall Trivium ever no. having said that. No. That's not the kind of Trivium, band they are. Well, I mean, on the Crusade, they were talking about how much they like Skid Row. Quite. And, you know, Motley Crue and stuff like that. I don't think they've ever... They're not that type of band. They like... Yeah. They say, you know, well, they like metal. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, this is the thing with, when I say about the Code Orange album, like, people who get, like, go, well, no, actually, you're full of hell and much heavier than Code Orange. And it's like, yeah, no one's ever going to listen to them, ever, mm. unless you have bands like Metallica and mm. Judas Priest mm. and Motorhead and Black Sabbath and System of a Down and blah, 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 mm. and blah, 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 and yeah. Deftones and Linkin Park and, blah, 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 you know, even as someone who doesn't like yeah, I, at all. I mean, you, know, the, you needed fucking bands. And the thing is, I mean, in regards to Code Orange, they're still really, really fucking heavy. Yeah. Trivium aren't as heavy, but Trivium is the sort of thing that, you know, that whole, like, oh, it's kiddie metal. It's like, fucking hell, mate. They've been around for, like, 20 years now. But like, just just, kids, just the simple they? point, we have already said this, but just the simple point, Trivium are definitely heavier than Lost Profits. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? It's ridiculous. I mean, this is the, like, especially the only really heavy material i would say lost profits release was from their first two records yeah. and even even by cobra the, kai yeah cobra kai fine you know Big a, a lot of the first album fake sound of progress um the, the i said this to you on the phone the other day the godzilla song from <laughs> start something the oh, penultimate yeah. track on yeah. that album is pretty heavy but you know i mean even last train home is not a heavy song like it's a it's a like pre everything that happened a good song. Well, it's still a good song, I suppose. I just can't. Sort of song that you would go around Varg Vikander's house and have a good time doing. <laughs> you and Varg get together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, me, Varg, and Ian. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, like Lost Prophets weren't. In the, in, the, in the realms of heavy music, Lost Prophets were not particularly a heavy band. And No Devotion aren't a heavy band. But absolutely not. And 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 it a good like good band. I think you'd I like say a great band. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, that kind of argument that well, if it isn't heavy, it's not good. Is so. I mean, how playground is that? It's just pathetic. Not it's good. Ridiculous. That. Yeah, not good. Um, <laughs> it was just like oh, I kind of felt sorry for him in the end because it was just loads of people going paedophile, paedophile, paedophile. And I was like, <laughs> oh mate, like oh god. But then I suppose. 
If you're gonna it's say unfortunate something, you are going to get that. If like, you're going to say something that stupid, that I, I've had nothing but sympathy for the members of Lost Profits after the Ian Watkins um, debacle, let's call it. I've had nothing but sympathy for the, the five people who were not caught up in what that hideous, hideous man did. Mm. Uh, but this is the first time probably since that's happened that I've been like, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. What are you doing? Like, um, yeah. Was all going to happen. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of what are you doing, uh, we went to see, uh, and you and I saw the trailer dead last night, didn't we, Renfrey? We did. We uh, interviewed Jason and Conrad beforehand. That's going to be coming out. Did you say Jason Conrad? Or Jason, did you say and, Jason Conrad. and Conrad. Okay. Yeah. Jason, Jason Reese and Conrad Keeley. The, con- the, the and was not very clear, but that's fine. Oh, well, I, I apologise. We, we mainly interviewed Jason, didn't we? We mainly interviewed Jason. Yeah. Conrad was relaxed, wasn't he? Quite a relaxed fella. Very, yeah. Really chilled. Mm. Um, I mean, you'll hear the, the interview. He'd had some physio earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. He wasn't feeling the best. No. I mean, you'll hear this when we put the podcast out. We're sort of skirting around the issue a little bit. We are skirting around it a little bit. We should probably say, actually, shall we do this now? We should say, I think that um, that band have been on tour for two months. Yeah, long time. And uh, we interviewed them literally two days before they were going home. And they were were tired. They were really, really tired. Um, I'm going to put it out anyway, but it's borderline (laughs) as to whether we were going to put it out or not, to be honest. It's one of those ones where... Nobody's horrible. It's just an odd. It was. It was got an odd chat. It was definitely. It an was odd an chat. odd chat. I don't think that's too like yeah. harsh a thing to say. It's we don't. Of, we don't have anything bad to say about either of those people at yeah. all. The lovely people, lovely yeah, dudes. Yeah, yeah. Like I showed them my tattoo at the end, and they yeah. were like, "Oh wow, yeah. that's great." And, Jason know. made a brilliant joke. Well, yeah, you all laughed at that. Like I did. Like I got. Like I got got, but I didn't get got. He was <laughs> like, "Hey, you got the lyrics wrong on on the tattoo of the." And I was like, "No, I haven't." And everyone went, "Ah, we got." Him. He thought you you shit yourself, and I was like, "No, I didn't. I know what I've got on my fucking body." Anyway, um, but we stuck around for the show. Yeah, um, I actually left about what twenty minutes from the end, and. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, when you've got a back made out of marshmallow and it just decides to fucking crumble on you at a show, it's not fun. And I was really struggling and in a lot of pain at that show. I really, really was. Um, So I'm going, uh, I forgot, when was it? Somebody saw me at, when I went to see Leprous, I didn't make it to the end of the Leprous show when I saw Leprous because I was just in fucking agony. And, some guy was like, are you all right? And I was like, I just want to be able to just not feel like I'm going to collapse in a fucking room. So anyway, that's by the by. I left a little bit early. Um, I left four songs before the end for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Trailer Dead a bunch of times from Madonna up to, well, last time I saw him was 2015. So it would have been um, Tower of the Dead. Same here, except um, I probably started watching them around Worlds of I would have thought. Mm, mm. And I've seen them be uh, amazing. I've seen them be revelatory. Yeah, I've seen them be absolutely amazing. I've also seen them be kind of rough around the edges. Yes. Uh, And actually, that was brought up by Conrad, I believe, mm, in our interview a little bit. Yeah. In fact, he even admitted sometimes people will say we played like shit, but they Mm. still really enjoyed the show. Yeah. I mean... I quite like the show. Yeah. At, po- at points. Yeah. yeah. There were moments where I was like, that's that band that I fucking love. Definitely. The first half of Gone. 
from yep. the new album. Like they lean quite heavily on the, the material from um, the Godless Void and other stories, which you and I love. Uh, you know, I still listen to that record I, do I. all the I time. Think I think it's fucking excellent. Yep. You know, it's become. I think you said at the time about fourth in your. It's probably, yeah, it's probably jumped up to about fourth in in my favorite now. Like I, I think it's it's third or fourth out, out of their records. Yeah, yeah, out of their ten records, it's yeah. it's a fucking brilliant record. And they played at least six, I think, from that album that I remember. Five or six? Five. Five. Okay. You know, and great. Um, but it was ramshackle. And the sound did not, you know, we actually turned up and saw them sound check. We did. Before we, we and they sounded, and I thought they sounded great in their they sound They sounded check. fucking excellent. They sounded really check. good in their sound check. And um, I was really, and it really got me pumped for the show because yeah. it had been a good, yeah, a good five years since I'd seen them. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh God, I forgot how much I love this band. And yeah. they were, you know, they were playing songs in sound check, which I was like, oh fucking yes, they're going to play that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then when it came to the show itself, yes, it was very ramshackle. I personally think, in a in a sense, I feel like the um, newer material was actually the most disappointing for me as a whole, mm. um, just because it seemed they seemed a little less sure of it and a less little less sure of what they were doing. The moments for me where it really worked when it shined through that, like, oh, that is the band that I adore and love. I mean, not to not to just sort of point this out to annoy you, but shortly after you left, they went from they went to Cutterwall, and then will you smile again? And it was I left during Cutterwall. Oh, that's really fucking annoying. If I'd have waited fucking three, four more minutes, I would have fuck. It was ten. That was ten minutes of perfection, as far as I was concerned. Like it was fucking brilliant. Mm. Um, and you know, I mean, um, they went to. It was there that I saw you pretty early on in the set, like second or third song. That was really really good. Um, I really enjoyed hearing the title track from Worlds Apart. So did I. I've never That's, seen them play that before. Yeah, yeah I, I, really I'm not great. sure. If, I'm not sure if I have. And I was like, and actually, their ramshackleness it really works for that. Song. That song is really ram. That is yeah. a proper like. I mean, they he described you know Comrade introduced it as a, an old Irish drinking song, and it does have that kind of sway to it, doesn't it? He and did. Um, I mean, my understanding of Worlds Apart is it's about the Twin Towers collapsing. Um, yeah, but, but uh, he was, I think he was, I think he was being ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't take that much that he said. You know, they played Let At It Dive. Point. They played yeah. Let It Dive from that album, which I, well, I fucking love that song, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was, but it, it, but it, it certainly was a frustrating um, experience as a fan because it was it was up and down i mean the one that sort of summed it up for me the most i think was the first half of gone now i think gone is is it the best song on the album it's the first half of that which is mostly just kind of guitar uh, mm. and vocals and it kind of it's quite floaty and nice was um, was lovely and really sort of seductive great really yeah. good and yeah. then it just became a sort of tuneless noise by the end yeah and you know not a tuneless noise in a sort of sonic youth way yeah where you go oh god they're really you know it was just it was became not very not very good and that sort of summed up you know the like <laughs> the, the snowball of it rolling into the shit basically yeah it, it was up you know it, it, it was up and, up and down like they're you know they're a great band and i kind of actually like the fact that you you know you see some bands and like you talk about tracks and everything being processed and pro-tooled and everything sounding crystal clear and perfect. And we were having this conversation um, 
uh, about Pink Floyd, funnily enough, at the weekend, about um, when you're a punk band in a small club, you never know exactly what's going to happen. We are talking to Matt about his experiences playing Heck and stuff and how yep. you don't really plan what's going to happen. Yep. But whereas if you go and see Ramstein, it will pretty much be the same show it every single... Be. It has to be yep. the same show every single night, every single night, every single night. And, you know... It has to be like a play. Basically. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of... You like to see those massive shows, but then also the reason you go and see live music is because, you know, human beings are fallible. And I Absolutely. think, you know, like Trailer Dead... Um, we caught them on a night where they weren't quite at it, but it was a, you know, it was a an experience. I would rather take a band who have that ramshackle sense to them and don't play with tracks who okay, who have the off night from time to time, yeah. than a band who play with tracks all the time and sound perfect. Yeah. What I will say of the show, you know, whilst I mean, actually, part of the reason I left early last night, they actually came on late, and um, I mean, I'm assuming they must have gone over curfew because um they played an additional four songs once i left and i left right. five minutes before curfew so but um uh what were those four songs they were awesome? relative ways mistakes and regrets another morning stoner and a perfect teenhood so pretty uh, pretty good um just got just received confirmation dan is alive Don't <laughs> good. Worry. that's uh, good news <laughs> i literally i literally so messaged will... him saying are you alive? And he said, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so, we will be getting those <laughs> album, best albums ever podcast. They will They're happen. happening. Yeah, they will happen. Um, so, um, yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I, yeah. What was I saying? Just, just, I would much, yeah, I would much rather, rather have, have a ramshackle band who are a bit crap some nights. Um, a bit crap. Is that a bit harsh? No, then then a band who are perfect all the time. Look, that tech fest scene and that whole kind of like you know Euro Blast mm. stuff. Uh, that's some of that's just crap every night. To be fair, exactly, yeah, exactly. And you know, last night was never boring. No, that's true. It wasn't it was always boring. good, but it was never boring. Yeah, um, and I'd much rather that. So yeah, for sure. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, look, let's move on to some reviews. Um, um, can I do Hold Steady quickly? Oh, yes. Sorry, mate. Of course. Go on. Um, so a couple of nights previous to that, I went to see the Hold Steady at the Electric Ballroom. Um, the first of three nights. They do a weekender, they call it, like every March in London, more or less. They yeah. do it most years. Um, and they did two nights at the Ballroom and one night at Bush Hall. And I went along to see the first night and... Goodness gracious me, I had a good time, Steve. You did, didn't you? You got drunk. Now, um, I feel like I'm getting a bit of a reputation for this, um, but I turned up and I was in a jolly good mood. Um, I'd just seen a double bill, actually, at the Prince Charles Cinema of uh, The Lighthouse and um, Parasite. Uh, oh, yeah, Parasite's and in, great, right? Yeah, in our occasional um, two people who know little about film review films <laughs> section of the podcast that we occasionally put on, both brilliant films, which you should absolutely see. Yeah. Uh, Parasite's wonderful, but they're both films that the less you know about them, the better. So I'm not going to say anything. But I, but I was in a good mood. Basically, I was in a good mood. I just seen a couple of great films uh, and had a great time. And then uh, I got to the ballroom and I was just like, oh, I'll just have one drink. One drink turned into about five. And um, the Hold Steady are the kind of band who um, I'm not trying to claim that they encourage one to drink in a go on drink drink you miserable fucker kind of way but they are so party times and they are so energetic and lively i mean craig finn is just he should be like the poet laureate or something he's just such this like, a happy bob dylan 
is mm. all like how I describe Craig Finn, you know, like um, he has the poeticism and lyricism of Bob Dylan, but he's just happier. And the energy that he has and like, it, it's very, very infectious. And I was just like, this is brilliant. I've totally forgot how great this band are live. I fucking love them. Um, they also know what they're doing when it, when it comes to playing live in terms of playing the hits. So they did play uh, four songs from the new album, Thrashing Through the Passion, all of which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I like that new album. I've really got into Hold Steady since we sort of mm. talked about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I th- you should definitely, um, well, A, you should definitely see them live if you get the opportunity. And mm. B, um, you should go in on their records more because, I mean, to give them... They played seven songs from Boys and Girls in America. Which you love, which yeah, is that is a great record. Correct, yes. Mm. I mean, it is It is the one. It's the one. Like, they do have other great records, but it is the classic, I would yeah. say. Uh, five songs from Separation Sunday, which is also excellent. Five songs from Stay Positive, also excellent. Um, you know, it, it was... Apps and it was very much kind of like, oh, I fucking love this song. I forgot about this song. Oh, I fucking love this song. 25 songs um which is pretty damn good the other thing i'll say about hold steady and i always bloody love this about bands and go on about it but in this particular case for the weekender different set every night um so you know that's cool you could have gone to all three shows i believe there was like a special ticket you could get for all three shows which was massively reduced Mm. um and see a totally different show every night and it does have that feel to it you know craig finn's pointing out people in the audience and like commenting on what they're doing and all that sort of thing in a sort of uh pearl jammy way right um you know and and i i just love that they're just so much fucking fun just probably one of the best rock and roll bands in the world it's pretty much what they are just a raucous rock and roll band i had a fucking wonderful time lovely stuff yeah uh, it's been seven or eight years since i've seen them but it's not going to be i'm not going to wait that long till i see them again Mm. well i'll come next time as well do uh all right let's do some reviews speaking of raucous rock and roll that's a great little segue because we are kicking off our reviews this week with the third album from haggard cat it's called common sense holiday it is uh the band who are Formerly 50% of Heck, who we mentioned just a moment ago, um, 25% of Heck, Matt, was on the podcast only a couple of days ago. I don't know why, I don't know why wow. I'm like siphoning them into like percentages. Um, uh, and a band, uh, I think, who've quietly been developing into something of a formidable riff machine over the last few oh, years, Renfrey. Someone's been reading my uh, Metal Hammer review. I know you haven't. Uh, no, I have read it. <laughs> That's why I deliberately haven't used any of the words that you've used in it. Um, what did I say in my Metal Hammer review? Oh, I said they were riff conceivers. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, riff machine. Riff machine is lovely. I've said robotic. You're probably right, actually. It's more, much more, they're much more human than robotic. We'll get to a kind of much more robotic band later They on, make love yes. to them riffs. And then they yeah, they them. do. Yeah, there's yeah. some fucking... You know, they, they've always... He's always had a, a knack for writing them big riffs, isn't he, Matt? Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, spunk it a little bit uh, now and just say in my Metal Hammer review, I said that I think Haggard Cat have always been a band that people see as writing amazing, amazing riffs, but not necessarily amazing, amazing songs. Yes. Yeah, now, true. I personally think that's a little bit harsh, but I understand what people are saying. I will admit as much as i love that band you know matt's a, matt and tom are both very good friends of mine i don't think that's i think that's fairly obvious from the amount we have them on the show um and all that sort of thing but like i um 
I, I, I really love the previous Hag of Cat records, but honestly, I don't listen to them at home all that much because it does feel like they are just sort of there so that you can learn the songs. And then when you see them yeah. live, it's like they are very, they, I think up till now, they've very much been a live band. Yeah, I when I heard uh, Challenger for the first time, um, I kind of went, yeah, this is all right. And it wasn't really until I saw them live that I went back to it and went, oh no, this is much better than I sort of think I might have given it credit for. Um, it's definitely a record that you'd probably, you know, you might give it a seven, but then if you, if you, when you see it live, you probably knock that up to an eight. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. Uh, or whatever number you give Yeah. It. Whatever number you give it. Um, I, I'm only saying like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think with that being the album before this one, I think it's probably more likely to get knocked up to a seven at this point mm -hmm. because what they've done now, um, I mean, well, again, talking to Spunk in it, this is clearly the best record that they've done. Yeah. By, I think by, by some mile. distance. We've talked uh, a fair amount about bands who've had quite a large leap. Um, Loathe is a good example mm -hmm. this year. Um, between records and you could definitely put that in this category yeah and it's weird like being being friends with them i've always known being a well two things a being friends with them and b having heard instructions by heck i've always known that they're capable of much much more than they were doing with mm. haggard cat um and i know you know and beforehand so i kind of knew that they had this record in them and it's been really nice to you know finally see it come out and mm. and and see them realize that potential and real you know it feels like challenger was taking um lots of influence from robert johnson or um blind mctell well blind william blind william mctell thank you or um from more contemporary references death from above 1979 or Definitely. the white stripes goddamn goddamn whereas this record there's bits of Queen. There's bits of, um, you know, you've still got that rootsy blues, John Spencer blues type explosion type yeah. thing in it. But you've got moments of Queen. You've got moments of Eno uh, Eno uh, Morricone, mm -hmm. the spaghetti Western dude. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, it's such a broader palette. Queens of the Stone Age is a massive one. Yeah, I think record. even, I think you could pick it, you could chuck in some heavier bands as well. Uh-huh. Um, Wild Hearts at their mm, their heaviest. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, Wild Hearts at their heaviest. Mm. I don't think they... Yeah, there, there are some melodic songs on this. Yeah, you know, definitely. There are some really melodic songs on this. Definitely. Uh, they don't pop in the bubblegummy way that Wild Hearts pop, if you, if, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make them any less kind of anthemic or catchy. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some really, really catchy, catchy parts on this. Time. Um the start of time starts starts like Freak by Silverchair. I think. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then yeah, it goes yeah. into this really quirky voice, uh, a verse, sorry, not ver um, voice, but put in a big meaty riff and then lots of, you know, the thing people do in hardcore usually is get a big chorus and then you put the weird mathy bits on the guitar. Mm. Whereas that song's cool because the riff is just 
and then the vocal line. Vocal melody is quite all really over the place. Yeah. And they change a lot, like each time. It's always a sort of slight different syncopation on, on yeah. each line, which is which is really cool. Yeah, it's just a slightly different way of thinking about how you make rock and roll music. Yeah. It's a ve- it's a very cool song and the sort of song that you know it, the verse will be in your head after one listen. Do mm. you know what I mean? Um, I fucking love that song. Um, it's a bit of a one-two punch, isn't it? Because the yeah. song before that is Rational. I mean, some of you would have heard Rational already because they released a video for it ooh, last week when this goes out. Yeah. Um, which we shared on the um, Twitter, or Right Act Twitter account, mm-hmm. actually, if you've not seen it. And um, I think Rational... I, I think this record, the first few songs on this record, it starts like the previous Haggard Cat records in that it's very riffy and very kind of like... Stompers. Stompers. These yeah. are great songs. European Hardware is just a big stomper. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, European Hardware is incredibly... It's an earworm of a song. And oh, it's a yeah. great song. Mm. Probably my least favourite on the record. Yeah, I, I think it, the record, beca- it gets more and more interesting the more stuff they add Because to it, it gets it more ambitious and more interesting and it has more outsider influences coming in you know the first song first words is if it were it could have been on challenger quite Mm. easily Mm. um but if it had been on challenger it probably would have been one of the best songs on it you know features uh jamie lenman doing backing vocals uh a little rent free haggard cat fact if you'll permit me yeah i I introduced haggard cats to uh jamie lenman as in the band Mm. not not as individuals just a little fun fact there. Uh, so fun, I take fun for who exactly? Fun for me, oh, right. uh, and I take all the responsibility for this. Um, <laughs> yes, um, you know, so so they start off with like what would have been one of the best songs on their last record, mm. and then it just gets better from there. And it's rational, which is track five of the eleven track album, which I think is the turning point where it starts getting like. I, I think rational rational was so i was sort of li- the first time i listened through it halfway through i mean i think you know whether you like like i say a big stomper like european hardware whether you like a kind of balls out thrashier or like show reel was kind of a th- thrashy like weird. but you know they nail those styles like they Absolutely. nail them and i was I, I was sort of prepared to come on here and go oh you know it's they, they've got better at writing songs well done but then i mean a bit of sax on cheat willie jean some is it? Of course it is. I didn't know that. Of course okay, it's of course it, Yeah, obviously. Um, someone likes Pink Floyd, don't they? Mm, Matt. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, Matt does like Pink yeah, Floyd, yeah, as yeah. we established a few days ago. But I think Rational sort of proves how good a band they've become. Absolutely, because it's kind of it's part ballad, it's part kind of folky song, and then it's got this massive, glorious white stripes ending. Yeah, yeah. And it, that song for me uh, is a mashup of White Stripes, Manic Street Preachers, Design for Life era, and yeah. um, uh, Queen. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And if that doesn't at least pique your interest, you're listening to the wrong podcast, I think. Well, do, do still listen, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> But come on, White yeah. Stripes, Mannix and Queen. I mean, that's a really interesting combination. Yeah, Whether great. you like all three of those bands or not, that's that's intriguing at the very yeah, least. And it really is. And it does all three of them fucking work like really well. Yeah, it's got a hell of a lot of shit going on. I mean, my favourite song on it is The Natives, actually. I think that's fucking... The Natives is wonderful. It's fucking... That is a brilliant song. It has this really brilliant... Good. 
it, it it sounds like the best song that wasn't on the last Queens of the Stone Age album. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the last, it's the Mark Ronson um, Queens of the Stone Age record villains, um, but better than all of those songs, mm. including the uh, opener on that album, which is actually probably the only song I like on that record. Um, and um, it's just fucking massive. It's the sort of song, it makes you feel cool as fuck walking down the street listening yeah, to it on it's headphones. wicked yeah that song it's it is brilliant absolutely wicked um yeah i, I think my favorite uh, the natives is my favorites are rational the natives but just because you haven't mentioned it we ha- surely have to talk about ghosts already yeah this massive epic at the end around the seven minute seven mark or so. um which is the aforementioned uh you know Morricone inspired mm. one um yeah, Haggard Cat, Go, Spaghetti Western. It's really cool. It's brilliant. I mean, yeah. it's, um, well, forgive me for bringing them up again, but it's um, very Knights of Sidonia Muse, but mm. better, probably. Yeah, I don't like Muse. So yeah, you don't like but Muse, but but I mean, Knights of Sidonia, I think is a brilliant Muse track, and, and that's quite a compliment for me yeah. to say that. So it's fucking awesome, this record. Yeah, it's really good. I'm delighted that it's this good. I have to be honest. I'm really delighted because... I, to be honest, I I thought I'd go and see Haggard Cat. I like those guys. They're, they're good live. The albums are kind of nice documents to have yeah. with the thing, um, you know, so that you know something when you go and see them. Yeah. But I can't kind of sit here and be like, oh, I'm really into Haggard Cat. Whereas now with this, I've got an album where I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Mm, mm. I want to see this live and this has got loads of ideas. It's really, it's, it's very, very good. This, as I, as I've said, you know, being, being very close to them, I've kind of known that they've always had this in them and mm. it's just so nice to finally see it come to fruition. Um, I think there's a strong argument. I was thinking about this the other day and it is a it's a difficult comparison because Heck and Haggard Cat are different bands. But I was like, is this the best thing that Matt and Tom have put their name to? And I think it's fucking close. <laughs> I think it's I think comparing this to instructions is kind of neither here nor there in a way anyway. Yeah. It's because really they are very different it's bands. Different in it is. But the fact but I wouldn't as much as I love them, I wouldn't have ever kind of put challenger or charger up against uh certainly instructions yeah. by heck whereas this i would consider it and be like actually yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely in the same league um i don't know yeah i'm i'm mm, well, i have to sit with that for a long time i've not even thought about that but it and, and but also just just to just to finish off that point uh, instructions was bubbling under in my top 20 albums of the decade. Cool. So, fucking hell, yeah. yeah. Great record. Um, so there you go. Uh, it's out on Earache Records as well. Well done for mm-hmm. them. They're on a good fucking label as well. They were uh, on Earache for the last record, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was probably worth pointing out anyway. Uh, yeah, so that is Haggard Cat. The album is called Common Sense Holiday and it is out now. You should go and listen to that false show. Uh, the that was next- interesting. 
Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was the sort of thing that I do, and then you mock me for it. Well, feel free to mock me, Rembrandt. Well, I'm not quick enough, annoyingly, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, our next album comes from Hilary Woods. The album is called Birthmarks. It's the second solo album from the Irish solo artist, formerly um, of long-forgotten indie band JJ72. You told me this little... Who weren't very good at all. No, you told me this little fact um, yesterday, I think, and yes. I, I was stunned. Well... I, I knew who she was um, before going and listening to the record. I didn't listen to her debut solo record. Uh, no, neither did I. Um, but I knew, I was like, oh, she's somebody from JJ72. And I ah. was. A- and then so I was, when I gave this to you, you were probably a little bit like, why are you giving me yeah, that? Yeah. Ah. Well, no, no, I wasn't because, you know, uh, the, people, she was probably really young when she was in JJ72. And I thought, yeah. well, there's got to be, it's probably something different. I didn't quite expect it to be this, though. No. Um, Renfrey, thank God you've brought this in. Oh, yeah. Because, poor, when was the last time I compared something to Talk Talk? It's been <laughs> a while, hasn't it? It's been, t- it's been too long. It's been too long. Uh, I haven't had mentioned Talk Talk for at least a month. <laughs> and frankly, it's getting pretty ridiculous. Although we do have that Video Nasties album coming up. So. Yes, it's <laughs> probably. <laughs> couldn't have less to do with talk talk um <laughs> so you know this record comes in coming in seems like quite a uh, a good time to rectify that fact mm. uh, yeah talk yeah. talk didn't come up for me but yes i see what you mean did it not mate i mean modern stones i'm going to talk about modern St- like so the album as a whole i guess would be some sort of kind of um ambient ambient dream pop style electro ambient dream pop thing That's broadly pretty good um they actually described it really really well themselves um it contains field recordings analog based synthesizers hushed vocals and the bre- breaths are underpinned with heavy noise processing fierce and wide cello rich percussion sable saxophone and electronics which is a lot to take in, admittedly. It is, yeah. But then there's a lot going on on this record. There's a hell of a lot going on on this <laughs> record. Um, I, I really, really dig this record. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's so great, man. Again, you know, um, to, to pick up on Mud and Stone straight away, it came on and it was like... It's like laughing stock era talk talk. It's woodwind kind of when we talk about brass normally you think of sax or trumpet and stuff but i'm talking about sort of woodwind instruments i love hearing like i mean it's just so evocative of kind of laughing stock era talk Mm. talk to me like Mm -hmm. really really subtle really drawn out really kind of um quiet um really beautiful you know it's just like it's like this big sigh this kind of exhale of a song mm-hmm. and it's i think it's fucking amazing mm, like yeah. i re- I, I absolutely love it yeah there's a really wonderful quality quality doing me there's a really wonderful quality to this album where there are so many i mean i just named a whole bunch of things which this album is only 30 minutes it's long it's 35 minutes long and i, I mean i think it's 32 actually it's it's really short it is, yeah, okay. it's really short it's eight tracks eight yeah. tracks 32 minutes long and it, it fits a lot into that 
time and yet remains quite subtle and relatively ambient throughout. Mm. There are parts, um, like, I mean, the beginning of the third track, Through the Dark Love, begins with a violin and then this sort of distorted noise that increases in volume until it becomes quite unbearable and then just sort of stops and let yeah. the song starts proper, you know. So there are, there are bits and pieces where um, it's abrasive-esque. Crescendo, um, I, I don't crescendo-y. actually. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, I would say the last sort of cleansing ritual, the last song, is four, four about four and a half minutes long, and that is mostly just kind of static noise. Mm. Um, not in a bad way. Like no, I, no, I no, really no, no. like it. I actually mm. really like it, and I feel like it builds to something, and it makes f- a hell of a lot more sense when you let the last track. There is no moon follow on after it absolutely and then the i i actually think the album ends in a like incredibly strongly yeah yeah um but yes i think they or she uh builds her songs to um crescendos again you know in the same sort of way as uh as mark hollis did mm-hmm. in talk talk mm-hmm. um yeah. that was something which although you know i, I don't want to give the impression that all of this sounds like laughingstock or like spirit of eden because it doesn't no 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 you know this is a electronic and like you say there's there's synthesized bass on it and stuff and whereas particularly those those later um talk talk albums were all done with mm. kind of um live real instrumentation a lot yeah. of this is electronically minded and but the other thing they have in common is there's the again I think we said it about the Agnes Obel uh, record a few weeks ago vocals and i think even more so it's true in this vocals are quite sparse in this yeah they are yeah, yeah. and that's again you know very very talk talk like very kind of small pockets of vocals well it uh, makes it feel like she's this ethereal presence almost mm. like a ghost throughout the record yeah which is really fucking cool and um i mean there are there are elements of the more experimental side of chelsea wolf yeah i think there's elements of uh, chelsea wolf's abyss on this record i don't yes think, i don't think it's it, as abrasive it never gets as it's never as is dark the right word? Because, yeah, I guess. It's relatively guess. dark, this album. It it's pretty, pretty dark. dark. I mean, Abyss is very dark. dark. Abyss is, yeah. Very, very dark. Abyssmal? Mm. <sighs> Not for me. Okay. Go on. Um, I mean, if you take... I, this album, has, she's been working on it over the course of two years. And mm. for, for an album that's so slight in terms of, in terms of um, time, 32 minutes, you know, it just goes to show how much has gone into it, I think. Yeah. Um, and it was recorded while she was heavily pregnant between Galway and Oslo in the winter of 2019. Um, it, exp- it sounds like Galway and Oslo. Weirdly, yes. Do you know what I mean? It does. <laughs> Weirdly, yes. Yeah. Um, a lot about this record. Do you know what? A lot about this record, if you describe it, sounds pretentious. And then when you hear it, you're like, oh no, that does make sense. So you saying, not having heard this record, it sounds like Galway and Oslo might sound really pretentious to someone. Mm. But then if they listen to this record, they'd be like, oh yeah, I actually see what you mean. You know, and there's a few things. I don't mind sounding pretentious either for what Oh mate, I'm Mr. Pretension. You really, you're way more pretentious Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I make up words all the time, but you know. Um, uh, There's a part in in the press notes, which I know you haven't read, um, where it says no. birthmarks is inspired and informed by ideas of inner transmutation in the face of anxiety, post-war Japanese and wet plate photography, early music, the secret life of trees, wolves, drone, the drawings of Francis Bacon, the images of Francesca Woodman, the films of Chris Marker, 
the exponential collapse of community and the power of the lone human voice. Now, well, she's done. We've been out pretentious. Well, we we have definitely we there, have. We? But um, I don't I don't get all of those references. I don't know all of those references. But the references mm. that I do understand, are like just walls. This record sounds like walls. That sounds pretentious as fuck. But having heard the record, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. You know, like it, that, that is actually a brilliant summation of the record. Um, and, and there is this weird kind of ethereal thing that you can't quite grasp, but it has a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of we, a little bit of woo. This is my favorite one. of I, I, I'm, I'm loath to kind of go, oh, you know, we've done um, uh, JDFR and we've done Agnes Obel and we've done this for sort of three weeks we're running. And I'm loath to compare those three records as, you know, the comparisons are they the, they surface. they're linked on a surface level uh as in that these are quite um they're they're three fairly um quite well not even fairly three very ambient um female solo musicians with electronic parts yeah essentially mm. um and that's kind of where the comparisons begin and end mm, um yeah. really but of all the kind of albums of this ilk mm-hmm. from solo artists that we've done for quite some time now uh, this is definitely my favorite oh definitely i think it is i mean you know i'm a mega agnes Obel fan. yeah i do yeah I, I i i really well hey i'm not saying it's better but i think due to due to how much it reminded me of like a kind of boards of canada cross with talk talk yeah with you know uh, a chelsea wolf vocal yeah that's an absolute fucking home run for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think for me, I I would quite happily accept that maybe this is as good as Myopia, which was the last Agnes Obel record. But I would caveat that with Myopia is probably my least favourite Agnes Obel album. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, this is her second record and Agnes Obel I fucking adore. So that's actually very high praise. Um, I actually, when I listened to this record... Um, I thought, my, I'm, I'm, I know someone who works for Roadburn. I was like, I have to contact Roadburn because this is a Roadburn artist full through and through. And of course, she's already playing uh, because mm. in terms of having their fingers on the pulse, Roadburn are probably the best. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so she's actually playing Roadburn this year. And she's also playing, she is playing a date in London, actually. So I think Yeah, she is that. playing... Uh... Cafe Otto. On May the eighteenth, if that's, my memory is that right? right? Yep. Wow, check out memory man well here. Totally. I would be well keen to go to that. I, I'm well keen to go to that. Yeah, I think this is really, really this is really good. I think it's excellent. this is a definite like. There are a lot of these records where I go, oh, I like that, or mm-hmm. I quite like it. Or I can see something in it. I might come back to it, and sometimes I don't go back to it for whatever reason. None of that. Like this is fucking great. I think this is great. Yeah, this is two for two already. Yeah, you think of albums released this week? Haggard Cat's great. This is fucking great. Obviously, Code Orange is great. It's a good week. This is a good week. Very good week. So and it's not gonna get well. Much worse, let's move on to that then, shall we? So that is mm. Birthmarks by Hilary Woods. Which, if you're a fan of anything um, kind of uh, ethereal and electronic and um, I think yeah, Chelsea Wolf, Agnes Obel, yeah, not then, a bad shout. Then you will have a, a good time. A mix of Chelsea Wolf this. and Agnes Obel isn't too far away. No, from it's what not. This is not to be it fair. Isn't no, too far no, no. Away. 
Um, so there you go. Uh, the next album we're going to talk about is Human Impact, their self-titled debut album. It's a debut album from the Noise Rock Supergroup featuring Chris Spencer, formerly frontman with Unsane, uh, Chris Pravdika, bassist of Swans, and drummer Phil Puleo of Cop, Shoot, Cop, and Swans fame. Um, so, you know... This is not an ethereal ambient. No. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, floating, lovely record. Great if pedigree, you know, uh, Amazing pedigree. Are you, you a fan of... Und I mean, I guess Chris Spencer would be um, the kind of... the most high profile of those three gentlemen. Yes. Are you, are you an, an Unsane fan at all? Um, I feel like I should be after listening to this album. Right. Um, but uh, I haven't listened to much in Unsane, to be yeah. to be totally honest. And um, I was hoping, I'm guessing you have. And one, of the, things, one of the things I'm going to ask you uh, during this review is, what Unsane album should I check out? Uh, it, Occupational Hazard, I think, is my favourite one. Right, okay. um, I'm just going to double check that's what it's called, because it's either it. I'm called... Uh, yeah, uh, either I've got the name of it because Occupational Hazard were also a band as well, but they're a shit new metal band. And I'm thinking, am I getting the fucking, am I having one of a brain fart? Yeah, Occupational Hazard from 1998. Now, um, if you were, that's a great record. And if you were um, a fan of uh, the Tony Hawk games during mm -hmm. the, the 90s, mm -hmm. the opening track on it, Committed, is on the a Tony Hawk game, ah, I believe, okay. as well. Okay. Um, Which is a way that so many people got into music. It those is. Tony Hawk games. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is. Um, so yes, uh, Occupational Hazard um, by Unsane is a great record. I actually Excellent. bought that record when I saw them, and they're supported by Tribute to Nothing. Do you remember Tribute to Nothing? Oh yeah, I do remember Tribute. Good to Bill, that and mm. Ben Turner from Tribute to Nothing, the drummer from Tribute to Nothing, jumped off the stage uh, while they were playing and just started punching somebody in the crowd. Oh, and then Unsane came on. And it got even more intense than that. Crikey. It was an intense time. Do you know what this person did in the crowd? Just was like sticking their fingers up at him or something. Oh, he was going, I'll fucking get you. Oh. And then he jumped in the crowd and they had a big sort of fist fight. Lovely. And I was like, cool, that was a bit much. Oh, hopefully the next bit will calm down from when Unsane <laughs> came on. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, Chris Spencer is kind of cut from the... Um, the Steve Austin mob. We talked about today is the day last week. I, when there are definitely, um, uh, there is a through line, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in I think fact, it's, it, it's, it's the bulging vein in both of their foreheads. Yeah. I think, is, is the, the through line. I actually very purposefully, I mean, today, uh, today's the day actually came out two weeks ago now, but mm. um, I very purpose, there was almost a point where we might have put both of these albums in the same show. And I made sure we split them because yeah. there are, stylistic similarities for sure yes um yeah although uh this is much more um i would say this is much more uh industrial sounding absolutely um which is absolutely fine and probably yep. what you may well expect from um from a band with with members of those bands in uh I, I, if you like the last daughters album as well i think it's probably worth bringing up Mm -hmm. that last daughter's album um which is obviously a fucking absolute masterpiece mm -hmm. i think that is a way way more bleak and intense version of this yep. i'm almost tempted to say remfrey that this is like if you ever look at that school of kind of noise rock bands swans jesus lizard unsane cop shoot cop um 
daughter's maybe lightning daughter's bolt. Daughter's lightning bolt. Yeah, maybe lightning bolt. I was going to say Battle Surfer. And Battle Surfer's a fucking weird band. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. You wouldn't even know where to start with that, to be fair. But, um, yeah. Tomahawk, even if Tomahawk, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tomahawk's got pattern. So you'd be like, yeah, pattern. Um, <laughs> but but uh, this isn't a bad... This isn't a bad record as a sort of starting point. Uh, I was going to say exactly the same thing. So if, if you've ever been intimidated and, you know, why the fuck wouldn't you be by the likes of a Swans or a Daughters or, or all those bands you just named? Um, yeah, this is a great um, halfway house in mm. that it's still, you know, it's still relatively savage and brutal. It has that hypnotic edge to it. Mm. Um, it has those sort of repeating patterns and those repeating yeah. lines. But the songs droning, are... Droning, industrial, yeah. machine-like kind of relentless clang to yeah. it that it has, which I fucking love, you know. Yeah. Killing Joke sort of-esque. Yeah. But unlike Swans, say, the songs are five or six minutes rather than 13 yeah um and um there's a semblance of some sort of catch not not catch there's a repeated motif that like e605 yeah just saying that over and over again yeah you go that's the one that yeah. goes e605 there, there's the hook you yeah. know whereas uh michael gyra might just go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah deep throat the microphone basically yeah. um uh yeah, no, I, I thought that exactly, actually. And some reviews have actually pointed at this record and said that as a as a criticism. Yeah. But I do not see it as a criticism no, at all. No, me neither. Um, no. In fact, I mean, no disrespect to some of those reviewers who've done that because actually I think the reviews have been well written that I've seen say that. Um, and it's been obvious that they've known more about this kind of music than me. But it has felt a little bit like... Uh, you know why uh, are you listening li- to this when you could be listening to it's felt a little bit like Lee, it's yeah. felt a little bit like Lee Gaze oh trivium aren't that heavy blah yeah. blah it's like well even even if they aren't the heaviest band in the world doesn't mean that doesn't mean heaviest equals greatest no. you know I, I mean I, I I think swans probably are better than this but mm. you know it doesn't it there there have been a lot of quite sniffy reviews which have been like oh you think this is bleak try this this and this and I'm like yeah. well just because it isn't the bleakest thing in the world doesn't mean it isn't any good. Like I, I really like this record. I, again, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really, really like. This is a type a of music <laughs> which it's a really good week. This is the type of music which I, I love, but I find it fucking hard to like. I don't want to listen to Unsane all, all the, the time. fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to. And like, I, was get, I was getting excited about Gwen Stefani supporting Duran Duran the other day. Like, I don't <laughs> want to just think <laughs> like really excited. There's but, something um, somewhat digestible about this, despite there is, it there being is something, and, heavy yeah, and, yeah. and abrasive and mm. blah, blah blah. And I've always thought, like again, I mentioned them a moment ago. I've always thought Killing Joke had a bit of that about them that they, mm. yeah, yeah, they aren't the, you know, the, the, it's really industrial and kind of. Um, it's like a metropolis a built up sweaty constricted metropolis but it's still songs do you know what i mean yes there still is um a willingness to want to entertain people yeah through that whereas a lot of those bands that from this scene someone like i don't get the i don't get the the 
the thought that Daughters, that last Daughters album, was was made with uh, any kind of regard to how entertaining that record was. No. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is the music that we make, as bleak as it is, as kind of black and depressing and depraved, and it's our art for us. And if you want to come on in and sit with it, mm. come on in. Mm. But if you can't handle it, fuck off. Fuck off, yeah. Whereas this is... You could crack open a beer to this. Yeah. I, I listened on the tube. And I, do you remember when we, we reviewed the Linguita Ignota? And I was telling you how traumatic it was just mm. being sat on like a rush hour train back home yep. with it in my headphones. Yep. I was listening to this on the tube on the way in today and I was just like, you know, like having a lovely time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ditto. I, 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 I think, you know, when I say having a lovely time, if you are someone who listens to the, the podcast and, you know, you, you, you don't like that sort of stuff at all, you might listen to this and go, having a lovely time <laughs> to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but... It's all relative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think yeah, it's all yeah, relative. Yeah. And I think this is a really good place to kind of go, okay, right. I've never, ever been able to get on board with any of this type of music. Mm. It always feels really just the, the you know, the shutters are up, the, the drawbridges up, yeah. you know. Which frankly would be very understandable. Yeah. Took me years. Yeah. Um, listen to this record and I, I actually think you'll be able to find enough in it and like you rightly say there's nothing that's good yeah that's, that's a good, a good thing. thing yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and and i have been a little you know i've rolled my eyes a little bit at some of these snobbier reviews which have been like you know well it not bleak enough and it's like well you know that, don't that, not, every, to, don't, not everything has something else then. not everything has to be bleak you mm. know like that's not the point um uh i mean there's there's um so there's a um uh song on it consequences has these like awesome violin stabs in yeah it, which like adds a kind of uh, a hook of sorts kind of mm. well um, there are that portrait's got a hook on it yeah 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 totally. Massive no, hook there, it. there are hooks on this record yeah. there's a there's that repeated piano note on mm. um respirator which to me is just giving a nod to like chuck berry-esque rock and roll it's just done it doing it in a very downbeat yeah uh, uh dystopian kind of way uh, and it is like it is one note on the piano. I think I think the last the last note of the repeated riff goes up one note and then it goes back. Mm. And it I think it goes throughout the entire song. But there's mm. something hypnotic and wonderful about it. Like it's yeah. excellent. And yeah, those two notes literally make this make the song like yeah. make it better. It's it's, that's, it's yeah, that's awesome. a really good point. Yeah, like it's it really fucking, fucking cool. cool. Yeah, it's got some great like it. It yeah, just got it's just a. I, I mean, I just I love the sound of this type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's often you go, you sit down to listen to it, and you go, "Fuck me, this is going to be fifteen minutes of a lot of like heavy duty shit." Mm. I wonder if there's a way to condense it into being something that I would want to listen to. That's in what this is. Any at any point in my life, yeah. And that is what this is. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. it's 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 Chris Spencer from Unsane. Mm. Yeah. Like, let's not fucking cussing out the bloke from insane, unsane for yeah. not being heavy enough. Let's not, not I mean, being yeah. bleak enough. Let's not, not make being intense out enough. L- Fuck off. Let's not make out that like this is some some wannabe like nomad coming in. Like, like this, you know. He clearly. I mean, I'm I'm only vaguely familiar with unsane, but I'm aware enough to know that the guy knows what he's doing. Mm. You know. Um, I had a quick question for you about this. There was something about this record 
And this is, gonna, this is either going to raise an eyebrow or you're going to be like, yes. But there was something about this record which reminded me of Quicksand. Do you get that at all? Production. Maybe. Yeah, Production maybe. Production on Slip. Yeah, yeah. I, it was bugging me. It was all, all, Same you... sort of... It's a, that guitar tone that Walt has on Slip, I think, is uh, a yeah, kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. I think you might be right. Um, but um, anything that evokes quicksand is not a bad thing, as far no. as I'm concerned. Um, so, and they're from that city, you know, that whole kind of... York, that, yeah. that whole kind of New York... Um, not hardcore, not metal. What what was it sort of thing? Yeah, that you know we, we talk about those bands a lot. You know, mm. Helmet and mm. Prong and all those things as well. I mean, I think obviously they're different to that, mm. but um, yeah, that that sound that's a sound of kind of nineties New York, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, and it sounds fucking great. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I yeah, I, I really like this record. I think yeah, I, I think too. I'm going to stick it's... with it for a long time. Yeah, I, I I really really do like it. It's fucking great. Uh, so there you go. It's out on Ipecac as well. It's um that's Mike Patton's label Mike Patton's for those label. who don't know. So sign of quality. It's good. It's got so much good quality stuff around mm. it. I just don't know why you have anything negative to say about it at all. You got anything negative? I don't Not really massively. have anything. No. Anyway, Human Impact self-titled is out right now. Right, last album. Um, that we have to review for you is Dominion by the band Video Nasty. This is the debut album, debut full-length album from the Liverpool-based old-school thrashy black and thrash band. <laughs> I guess if you like, I think black and roll. Black, and, black roll. and roll here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, fine. We'll go with that. Um, Renfrew, you brought this in. Yes. I hadn't heard of this band before. Ooh. You said to me, "You're going to really, really love this band." I did, and I went, "I'll show him. I won't love. I won't love them at all." <laughs> and then I put it on, and I went, "I can't lie. He, <laughs> he knows me. He knows. <laughs> you know. I, uh, you know. Uh, I've, I did. I, I mainly brought this in for you. Yeah, I'll say it and say it and say it until I'm bloody blue in the face. I said it on the first ever podcast that we ever did on Right Act. Any band that come in playing old school entombed influenced death metal thrash hardcore i'm just like a fucking puppy i'm gonna roll over and let them tickle my tummy (laughs) so but not only does this band do that but they also inject it with um these white zombie-esque uh samples from yeah samples from, from horror films 80s horror films yeah. which um which does add a cool aesthetic and i mean i mean that is lifted from white zombie i would say and obviously rob zombie later on yeah carbon are doing it at the moment as well yeah, carbon doing it for, like carbon brute is probably is raised the fucking game when it comes to doing that yeah like, yeah i still i still need to watch i still need to see them live, yeah. live. but um but you know, yeah, it's that kind of thing. And again, I thought, well, that's a bit of you as well. Isn't yeah, it? Um, fucking lootly. Yeah. So you you really like this? Oh, mate, I'm I'm well into it. I mean, I think it's it maybe doesn't you know, you know like if I'm if I'm gonna be like critical in any way because mm-hmm. I don't really have a lot to be critical about. I, it doesn't need to be ten tracks and sort of forty odd minutes. You could do this in half an hour. I I'm, reckon. I'm nodding. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it does. I've listened to this record half a dozen times now and and every time I flag a little towards the end. And I was wondering whether you would say that or not because you're far more into Mm. this kind of thing than I am. Um, I think that's coming from an objective place. Okay, so you're okay with it. It doesn't bother me at all. But I, 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 well, I I do think, you know, I I do think in terms of the quality of the songwriting, 
Um, there's nothing I would necessarily take out, but yeah, I think they probably could have done eight tracks. That's the thing. So it's 42 minutes rec- long, this record, which, you know, isn't silly long, mm. um, but from, it's a little bit too one dimensional to be that long, I think. Mm. Um, I think what they do is quite clever at the end is um, Stabbing Nightmare and, and the title track in particular are, are fucking short. Yeah. And yeah. when they do those like 90 second, two minute long songs, that shit and that that shit is is so great like i wouldn't want to lose that i think they're the highlights in yeah, a way i do yeah yeah I, I no i wouldn't but you know there's always album number two mm. um i i i think i think i think i i, I like this i think this is really cool i mm. think this is really cool I, I i don't adore it but i think this is cool and 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 there's a certain type of you know people like yourself and people who fucking love uh horror movies mm. 80s video nasties um literally you know yeah we'll fucking love this you know and, and just just to enjoy picking up on all the references and all that sort of thing because it, it is it is the these aren't um clips from you know the exorcist or anything like that they're they're, no. they're, they're clips from films that you will only have heard of if you're a horror aficionado yeah. i did actually find a horror website that um reviewed this um album that actually named quite a few of the films that the samples come from right i hadn't heard of any of them yeah um, they're well, they're fucking they're great the, the clips are great oh they're great they are exactly what you you know i'm not going to now but they are exactly when we say this band are called video nasties they use this neon 80s imagery they are a thrashy gore kind of chainsaw guitared hardcore but hardcore metal band and they use clips from unknown video nasty yeah. films i bet in your head you're already going okay i can kind of imagine what sort of clips they are that's what sort of clips they are yeah yeah, yeah. there's kind of Perfect. like like the most famous of these sorts of films i don't think they do use it from this film but it would be like i spit on your grave on sort or something like that it's yeah. those kind of films um and you know it's really cool i i think this is a decent fun record there's also lots of really cool nods i didn't necessarily pick up on this but um reading other reviews uh, kind of mentioned that there are quite a few nods to john carpenter horror movies and stuff like that so apparently some of the melodies are very very directly inspired by some of the john carpenter scores Mm -hmm. um for i'm guessing stuff like the thing and so on and so forth Uh, escape from new york yeah i can see that um i did i've not i've not i'm not i've not watched all that much john carpenter you know and and uh mm. not not through any fault of my own i've well i suppose it is through my own fault i just i just yeah just haven't i've never seen the thing never seen escape from new york escape from new york's not all that i i is it escape from la that's the good one i can't remember yeah. no escape from la is no. tragic that dog escape from new, new york is pretty it's pretty good uh I'm trying to think the, what john the best i have seen Big Trouble in Little China? No, I've not seen it. Oh, mate. Big Trouble in Little China is just the best fucking film. I'm an idiot. You need to watch Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, my fucking God. I want to see it. I it remember is... I remember seeing it. It was always on really, really late um, on ITV quite a lot. And I remember seeing clips for it and being like, that film looks amazing. And then for so, whatever reason, never watching it. It is so, yeah. so great. Yeah. Uh, I've never my, seen I, I didn't think we were going to bring up something better than the Code Orange. When I when, if you do one thing, listen to that Code Orange. No, if you do one thing, watch Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> um, I've never seen Halloween. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, Halloween's all right. Okay, it's date. It looks kind of dated now, but you know, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yes, for whatever reason, I've never really gone in on John mm. Carpenter, so I don't know. But apparently that's a thing, and I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a really cool thing for a certain type of person, and that that type of person isn't necessarily me, but I but I respect it to the fucking yeah. max. I love Well, if, if you were exists. yawning away while we were reviewing Hillary Woods... <laughs> then this is for you it sounds right? exactly the same as Hillary Woods. <laughs> no, no no if you were like oh come on one of these bloody things do something heavy uh yeah, yeah you might have a lovely time watching this um listening to this it's it's it, fun it's fucking great man it's fun it's 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 thrashy death metal when it's done in a fun sort of way um yeah. you could um guzzle many beers to this um, I think I imagine I would really enjoy watching them live as well. I'd probably enjoy watching them live a lot more than um, listening to the record as well. Yeah, Not, I'd like to see them live. Yeah, yeah, I would as well after this. Um, I, I, I think I look putting my hand, putting my cards on the table. I think it's probably my least favorite album of this week, but that is actually more due to the quality of this week. I was going to say I. I I agree with you. Like right. It probably is my least favourite album of the week and it's a type yeah. of music which I just instantly love all the time and I think they do it very, very well and they put an excellent little twist on it as well. So but it's still it's great. really, really good. <laughs> yeah, it's still great. Um, hence the quality of, of this week. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. Dominion uh, by Video Nasties for you kind of old school metalheads. Um, that one is for you. Mm. Right. Uh, final release uh, of the week. Um, we are going to do an EP. Uh, it is the second, I think it's second EP. It is the second EP. Second EP by Lauren Alder, Two Caves In. He's a 21-year-old French-born London-based singer-songwriter um, who melds kind of gothic pop, baroque uh, music, um, has toured with Slow Tie, um, I've worked with Slow Tie, sorry, and toured with Christine and the Queens. So, got quite a lot of pedigree. We should probably add. Um, th- I, this got a little bit confusing when you brought this record to me because you told did, me about it? you told me told me about it on the phone, and he said it's Lauren Order. And I was like Law and Order. Yeah. And he's like, no, Lauren Order. Yeah. So it's Lauren, as in the name. Laurent. We should just probably Laurent. say Laurent because it's French. And uh, then uh, A-U-D-E-R, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. So basically this is a kind of 17-minute five-track EP, which is, I mean, someone sort of tipped me off on Twitter and made comparisons to some stuff which I can kind of, like, Linguitri, not one of the the, 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 the comparisons, and I was like, oh. Um, but it's weird how odd this, this album, or this EP changes quite a lot, because I listened to it on a stereo, and I was like, oh, it sounds like that. And I listened to my headphones, uh, and I felt like it sounded very, very, very different on my uh, headphones, which is cool. Yet, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's, to me, you know, there's kind of lush orchestration, mm. um, swathes of echo in the bunny men um when it goes pop and someone also said scott walker now i mm. think in terms of the 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 kind of the deep sort of um quality of his voice and the kind of mournfulness in his voice it has got a touch of i mean there's a long way to go before you're talking about scott walker and i think certainly comparing it to scott the drift era scott walker if people were coming in and they're like, well, I don't listen to Scott Walker. I, don't even, I know what you guys say about him and the drift is this like fucking nightmarish thing. That's not really that accurate. But Scott, no. Walker, but Scott Walker, in terms of his earlier material, the kind of Walker Brothers material, that kind of Baroque pop, mm. um, 
yeah, I think because he has got this very um, baritone voice, mm. there is touches of a sort of a modern Scott Walker about it. Um, yes, uh, yes, I think I'm. I'm not sure. I fully, I'm fully on board with the uh, Lingua Ignota. Um, oh, comparison. I'm not at all. No, no, no. no. No, I thought that was a really weird comparison. Yeah. A really weird comparison. Um, this sounds... I mean, you, you've already said it, but it sounds very grand and widescreen, very cinematic. Mm. Uh, apparently much more cinematic and grand than their last EP. Um, it reminds me... I'm not sure if you're familiar with this artist, but it reminds me of Patrick Wolf. Do you know Patrick Wolf? A little bit. He's a sort of... Um, oh, God. Misanthropic violin led baroque pop classicist mm. sort mm. of i mean it's quite difficult to to sum up patrick wolf but then i'd say the same of lauren order as well yeah in order um uh, uh the song that really stood out for me on this album is meek uh this ep sorry yeah second um, track yeah the second track is an excellent song it has mm. sort of shimmering strings gentle piano and an electronic pulse that goes throughout and then uh odders soft baritone going i I mean i I thought it was really some i thought there was something really special there Mm. um that seems to be the uh, that was there's a video for that yeah it seems to be one of the singles it is uh of of these five tracks i definitely think it's the best Uh, Um, i like in god's childlike hands the last one okay i think is really there's not uh, a lot of vocals on that one not no not a lot of vocals on it but it was a uh it's the sort of the darkest one mm, mm, maybe that's why i liked it maybe, maybe. <laughs> um i think this is i think this is cool like bearing in mind it's the second ep um it was written when they were 18 as well mm. um primarily and and this has actually taken a, a round about five years to appear um to to come out so um and oh, i think i was reading this on clash uh, Loren says, when I started writing this EP at 18, I began to find my voice as an artist, yet felt lost in my personal life. I wasn't capable of being genuine, both of myself and those around me. I began to realize that to progress both emotionally and creatively, creatively, I needed to deal honestly with my personal life by confronting unresolved internal issues, realizing my transness and understanding how dishonesty affected my relationships. I was lying to people I cared about and in some cases taking an emotional toll on those closest to me. All right. And yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense having heard the ep yeah. i think um i think the reason why comparisons like lingua ignota are just not um accurate are lingua ignota it's, it's not i don't find this difficult to listen to it doesn't seem filled with spite no anger. no quite it's like yeah. say, you know the 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 baroque pop thing it's uh yeah it's quite it's it's quite um uh introverted yeah but that's the key thing isn't it this Mm. is this is um pop music it's it's incredibly well crafted and interesting and um subversive pop music um but uh i wouldn't describe lingua ignota as pop music in in any way shape or form i mean this is this is really interesting dark pop music Mm. i mean in terms of influences scott walker does get mentioned um mm. as does godspeed you black emperor and does nice. uh dj shadow as well oh. so that's an eclectic mm. dj shadows uh i mean dj shadow just sounds like everyone because he just he sounds like everyone doesn't he 
Yeah, he just nicks every, everything. He's just got a massive <laughs> record collection. Yeah, and he true. just sounds like a bit of everything. He's opens it together, and I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, I sure. can kind of, you know, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a stretch, but I can, yeah. I can, I understand it, even if I don't agree with it. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, I think this is very promising. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very, very promising. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I just thought we'd throw it in because it was actually released last week. Mm. So it came out last week. So um, it is available for you to stream or purchase right now. But it's, yeah, it's it's a, a kind of an interesting, unusual artist in a realm that we don't cover loads. Mm, mm, but mm. I think when it's worth covering, um, yeah. we do. Yeah. So that's why we did it. So that is Lauren Aldair, Two Caves In. And that leads us to, oh, Renfrey, the last trade, the last trade off for a while. Mm, mm some time because we have a new thing which we're going to do uh when we finish trade off we'll talk about that more in a moment um but we're ending it big oh yeah we're going out on a high you gave me guns and roses the spaghetti incident released on the 23rd of november 1993 this would be the last time we got a full-length album of newly recorded material until that shrinking violet the Chinese democracy dropped with such little fanfare <laughs> 13 years later. Um, whereas I gave you Slayer's Undisputed Attitude, which was released on the 28th of May 1996, conceived in the aftermath of the success of Green Day and the Offspring, Slayer, bored of telling people what was and wasn't metal, decided to start telling people what was and wasn't punk. <laughs> Um, so I think we should do these records kind of together okay? Uh, as they are essentially both, they're both covers albums. Yeah. They're kind of both punk covers albums, one more so than the other. Yeah. Uh, but there is a great deal of punk rock material on here from two bands who punk rock isn't the first, first thing that comes to your mind when you think about Slayer Absolutely. and Guns N' Roses. Absolutely. So I think it's probably worth chatting about these two together. There but, are very, there, yeah, there are very much um, uh, oh, similarities. Mm. There was a better word I had in my head for that. Yeah. So um, for Guns, in Guns N' Roses case, a lot of these tracks were recorded to be used on the Use You Losing sessions. Uh, but there was... They were recorded, a lot of them were recorded at the same time. I don't think you, they ever intended to actually put them Right, okay. But, there was yeah, so there was kind of obviously with two albums worth of Use Your Illusion material. I I, I, I think in. the band had a lot of time whilst they were waiting for Axel, so yeah, they right, dicked okay. about with yeah. this stuff. I, I that's that's the impression I get. But right. Yeah. So it was initially going to be an EP or an EP or two EPs, mm -hmm. um, and then they decided to turn it into a full blown covers album. Um, Slayer, on the other hand, uh, decided, as I said, um, the success of Green Day and, and the Offspring um, frustrated Slayer because of the use of the word punk was not being used properly is that genuine that, I, is, I pro that is proper yeah oh okay i actually thought you were you'd uh, written a, a funny piece to no, no, in, no, intro that. that no that's that was the inspiration kerry king has said you know people, people were going like oh i really like punk and then bringing up green day and we're uh, like that's not punk right that's not punk right um as someone who's gone that's not emo and that's not metalcore uh basically every day for the past 20 years mm -hmm. i sympathize kerry i do <laughs> uh, and i want to sympathize with kerry on everything not on, on everything no <laughs> um so this is a record full of covers of early punk rock bands verbal abuse minor threat the stooges dri tsol so a fair few um uh, la ones it's uh, actually um uh, five songs from verbal abuse five songs from verbal unusually. abuse. usually yeah. yeah um and um one recording of a new song gemini uh, which closes the album and there are 
four unreleased Pap Smear songs in there as well, which was the side project Jeff Hanneman did with Dave Lombardo and Suicidal Tendencies guitarist Rocky George. I thought it was two. Two? I thought did it I was... say four? You did say four. Okay, well, I fucked that up then, I? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I said four. I think I was looking at the Guns N' Roses thing, which said four. Um... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that's the kind of the backstory to both of these EPs. Remfrey, mm. why did you give me The Spaghetti Incident by Guns N' Roses? Um, you confessed to me you'd never listened to it, and I think it's a really fucking interesting document of a band um, splitting up, kind of. Um, it's, as I've said to you before, I can't remember if I said this on the pod or not, but it's... Oh, I call it the pod again. Fuck me. <laughs> uh, um... It's a bargain bin staple, mm. um, the spaghetti incident. That's what you said last week, yeah. Right. And um, I I mean, obviously, you know, I've been said it before. I fucking love Guns N' Roses. So maybe there's a little bit of bias here. But I've, I wanted to hear your unbiased opinion because you're kind of, um, you, you, you're not a massive Guns fan. No, You've huge. seen, you know, when you saw them live, you admitted it was one of the best stadium shows you've ever seen. Really great. Um, but, you know, you, you have a more balanced view of Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses than I do, I think it's fair to say. Um, so I was curious about your opinion, really. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting in terms of the world's biggest bands, and at this point, one of the most Marmite bands in the world um, at the end of 1993, and um, people really did either love them or hate them, um, releasing, you know, a punk album with covers of, oh God, what's on there? Uh, you've got um, New Rose, which is The Damned, the yep. first single ever released, I believe. First punk single. The first punk single. Uh, you've got UK subs doing down on the farm, which yeah. I really want to talk to you yeah, about. Of course. <laughs> um, uh, Raw who, Power by the Stages. Raw Power by the Stages. Ain't it fun by the Dead Boys featuring yep. Michael Munro, the crazy yeah. frog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Misfits attitude. Yeah. But you've also got a couple of outliers. Do you want to talk about the outliers first? Well, I'll, I'll just come out straight away and say it. Hair of the Dog, the Nazareth cover, cover is my favourite one on there. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's cool, it. isn't it? Yeah, Now you're dealing with a son of a bitch. Now yeah, you're dealing with a son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah, that that is great. Probably, um, probably goes on a little bit too long, that that rendition of it, because it's almost seven minutes, isn't it? Is it? It's like six minutes, 40-something. Oh. It's quite long. Yeah, It doesn't yeah. feel like that to me. Oh, well, that's good. I like it. I, I mean, I quite like it as well. But I, love, um, I really like it. It could go on for another eight minutes. As well as I, <laughs> I yeah. have, I have two favourites on this. Go on. Uh, I love the "Ain't It Fun" cover. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, kind of more for comedy value, but I do genuinely love "Down on the Farm." <laughs> Down on the Farm is now the UK subs, right? Are uh, <coughs> well, they're a, a UK punk rock band um snotty i very much like a lot of this record and as mental as it sounds um da- hearing axel rose going proper cockney like doing a shit danny dyer <laughs> like all i need is some inspiration down on the floor <laughs> before i do somebody some harm yeah i feel just like a vegetable it's awful i mean yet wonderful at the yeah, same time it, it, it's, it's objectively <laughs> crap it's yes. crap it's yes. naff it's yes. wank it's rank it's shite but i fucking love it but i but, fucking love it but it is good but yeah, i fucking but I love do, it i want to listen to it I mean, fucking <laughs> yeah. hell 
just yeah it's it's so stupid yeah it becomes yeah. it's one of those it's so bad it's good yeah uh, yeah and definitely. the band it's not the band's fucking fault it is literally Axl Rose going, Axel. doing news up Marvin Brand yeah. and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah no the band sound fucking terrific on yeah. it Matt Sorum's um, fills like um, just after Slash's fo- solo he has this fill which sounds like the fucking roof's caving in like I, I could be so specific with this record because it's Guns N' Roses and I've listened to them constantly I know yeah. um, but um you know, and yeah, Slash's solo itself is wonderful. Typic, very untypically Slash, um, but it just sounds great. Um, you know, the, the the band have a lot of venom mm. on a lot of this record, which yeah. is really nice to hear. I mean, people who found the Use Your Illusion albums excessive and bloated bloody and bloody bloody blah, yeah, yeah. Um, should have got a lot from this record in a Should've way. Should have done, yeah. Um, I mean, I wonder if it's because they've picked such... Uh, well, I'm not going to say obvious. Yeah, they're fair. You know, if you're going to pick that kind of thing, if you're picking punk covers and you're picking, you know, Raw Power and New Rose and it's not being done by the Damned or the Stooges, like, I don't really... They're played very straight. Uh, those songs are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like those particular... And they're the ones where the band are, you know, mm. sort of giving it some, but... and it's punkier and it's rawer and it's, and it's songs that people probably, that some people are already familiar with. I mean, Guns N' Roses were that big mm. that I guess there would have been a fuckload of people who had never heard the Stooges or oh, yeah. never heard the Dan before. Like that's to, undoubted. To be clear. Uh, I mean, bearing in mind the age that I got into Guns N' Roses, You're I hadn't heard any of these songs. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my first, the first time I heard raw power was this version. Yeah. Um, so I think that gives me a bit of an unfair perspective because, you know, I love this version of raw power. I love this version of, um, uh, new rose. Do you, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, they don't do enough with it to make me to, for it to, to, for them to justify it personally. Mm-hmm. I don't think they that's do. Fair. Um, and that's, I guess, quite a good segue to go into Slayer because mm-hmm. I think Slayer, <laughs> um, this got a really negative response. This record, very negative, very negative, and it got a very negative response because people were going, "Why are you doing punk rock?" Now, to me, Slayer take some very very you know, Stooges are heavy and Damned are one of the first punk bands and Fear, yeah, you've got mm-hmm. some, but but you know, Slayer are taking some incredibly, f- for like that school of punk, like some really fucking harsh punk bands yep. and they are making them even harsher. Yep. And I really don't get the negative response to this record at all. I don't really understand. I mean, we'll get to the, one particular mm-hmm. but musically speaking i don't get the sort of negative response to hearing slayer beef up and thrash the shit out of a song like filler by minor threat i think that there was a larger disparity between metal the world the metal world and the punk world back then wasn't yeah. there which is you know oh, fucking stupid but you know i think we have to bear that in mind in terms of context I think we also have to bear in mind, I mean, I am a Slayer fan, but we have to bear in mind that that band attracts the dumbest of the dumb. Yeah. I'm, you know, sorry to sound like a hoity-toity twat, but it's true. Um, You know, so people are going to say that. I mean, I think um, a lot of these songs actually 
a lot of these covers just show the similarities between yeah. hardcore punk and absolutely. what Slayer do. Absolutely. Um, like I, I, I don't. <laughs> the, you know, the irony is, is that so much of the, the, this is not that different mm. to the Slayer material from Rain in Blood. Do you know what I mean? Like, if not that different in terms of like the it's speed, not, it's not as good by a long, long way. <laughs> I would say. Uh, well, that, yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm, I'm talking sure. about what those songs Sonically, actually are. Yeah, are warp speed, yeah. million miles an hour, yeah. fast, thrashy, angry, fucking crazy. Like, and the main thing missing from it is in, in terms of um, Slayer style is um, carry the solos. Yeah. King and Hanneman's um, crazy uh, million note a minute solos, yeah. but but bar that, it, it, these are not far removed from Slayer songs at all, no. at all. Um, Which is so weird because, so they played Brixton Academy in 1996 in support of this album, and it was reviewed in Metal Hammer, and they got nine out of ten in Metal Hammer live, uh, live, and. Uh, the reviewer was like fucking Slayer, Slayer are the best heavy metal band, blah 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 blah. blah. It was a proper like Slayer, hmm. and then he was like, but the thing is, Slayer have just released a shitty album of shitty punk covers, and tonight they play all those shitty punk covers. And I don't want to hear it, and they're getting a nine, and it's not a no- they get a nine just for playing Angel of Death at the end because they're Slayer. What a wonderful review! And I was like. This guy seems like a real dick. Yeah. I don't know who reviewed <laughs> yeah. it. Fuck knows who it was. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so that's sort of... And I was like, oh, they've released a bad... And whereas then Diablos in Musica, which is their low point, came comes two years later. That is, the, that, that, that is their low point. Ah, okay. They got fairly good reviews. It is, right? That's the worst thing. Well, I, I was going to... I mean, um, um, I was going to say many people ha- have stated this as slayer's weakest album and i was going to ask you do you think it is but you obviously don't absolutely not um i think this is better than dabs and musica <laughs> i think this is better than christ illusion i think this is better than world painted blood and i think it might be better than repentless hmm. Hmm. um hmm. and it's probably better than show no mercy as well yeah which i've never really responded that well to no. really um, uh, I I own all the Slayer's albums, but I only ooh, you're <laughs> hard. <laughs> so do I, by the way. I only made half the point. Yeah, no, go on. I own all the Slayer's albums, and that makes me really fucking hard. Um, mm. but um, I only really regularly listen to four or five of them. Want to shout them out? Uh, Rain and Bloods, Seasons in the Abyss, South of Heaven, God Hates Us All, which is my favourite. Don't care. And is it? Yeah, God Hates Us All is my favourite. Good album. And uh, Divine Intervention. Divine Intervention is good as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that you know, that, that like, it's hard to argue that they're... For me, I feel like, really, that's all I need. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of hard for me to. I mean, I I vaguely I've probably listened to Diablos and Musica as many times as I've listened to Undisputed Attitude, and probably think roughly the same about both. Um, but it's so long since I've heard Diablos and Musica. So how do you feel about this coming back to it and listening to it? I think it's okay. Um, the best thing on it 
by far is the um is Gemini, the the one original Slayer song on it. Um which is actually an excellent Slayer song. Yeah, it's slower, isn't it? Yeah. It slows it down at the end. It's yeah. like one of the kind of South of Heaven S cuts. Yeah, it's a very good song. It's I not really the best like thing it. on the album by it's not the best thing on the album. What do you think the best thing on the album? Well, Filler, I Don't Want to Hear It by Minor Threat is, for me, is I think I Hate You is, the, the verbal abuse cover is really, really great. The video for that, if you ever get a chance to watch it, is really good as well. That's okay. a really kind of slasher flick. Um, you know, mentioning video nasties, similar thing. They do a kind of their own slasher flick. I think that's great. Um, yeah, Filler, I Don't Want to Hear It, I think is is brilliant. Um, I think the abolished government, superficial love, the TSOL stuff's really, really good as well. Um, there's some fucking, you know, there's some good shit on it. I don't think all of it's great. I think Richard hung himself. The DI cover's great as well. That that's that's a, a good song. Um, uh, I, 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 I want to be, be your dog. The the st- again, uh, and we've got two Stooges covers here, and um, I think Guns N' Roses win on the Stooges cover. They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I I do. don't like. Well, they retitled it. I want to be your god, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. If, I, if they just left the retitling to that would have been if you're going to change anything just change that don't change anything else I, I, but we'll talk about that i think it, it's a classic example of um just he- just heavying something up and just making it a little bit faster and a little bit leaner and meaner doesn't mean it's going to be a better cover no like, no no i agree with that but i think yeah. for the most part a lot of this which is what they do mm. To go, right, okay, let's see how fast we can make these fast songs. It's giving that 80s hardcore some beefy 90s metal production. And I think that's kind of a cool, you know, that's a, that's a cool thing to want to try and do. I think it's kind of cool too, but um, I confess I don't know most of the originals of these songs. I know the Stooges ones. I know the Mind of Threat ones. Uh, that's probably it. Okay. So I can't really appreciate it on that level. Mm. Um, There are some fascinating facts I picked up about this um, um, just on Wikipedia. But um, I didn't realise that uh, this album was originally going to feature more classic heavy metal artists. Yeah, yeah. It was originally going to be Judas Priest, UFO and Deep Purple, that kind of thing. Mm. But um, it just didn't pan out, supposedly, um, according to Kerry King, whose idea this album primarily was. at one point, they were considering covering the Doors. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, what on earth would that have sounded like? I mean, I'm kind of glad they didn't do it. This is the end. <laughs> the end, my friend. <laughs> but at the same time, I'd love to hear it. But I'm glad they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently, um, Tom Mariah's a massive, massive Doors fan. So, but yeah, I, c- I cannot even imagine. I. Did it? Did it? I did. Yeah. No. Um, um, it's just sort of Slayer cutting loose and having fun, isn't it? Generally. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I. All right. It was the first Slayer album I ever bought. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was 1996. It was the, the album that was out. And I like punk. Do you know and what I mean? Another interesting reason to compare these records because I feel like we both have biases towards each mm. one. Um, because the first album you buy by a band is often. It becomes. Your sort of, I'm not saying this is your favorite Slayer album, no. but but it but, but you favor it more through yeah, default, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. That's probably got something to do with it. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like it. Mm. I think what I will say for Guns N' Roses, the Guns N' Roses album is in the main a, a, a kind of a broader 
well, not even in the main, it is a much broader record. It's much broader, much especially... A broader record, which shows a much more of their influences. Well, we haven't even talked about um, since um, since I Don't Have You, which is the opening track mm-hmm. on Spaghetti Instant. It was the single from yeah. the album. Completely non... like doesn't give an indicator as to what the album actually sounds like at all. No. Because it's a um, cover of a sort of 50s rock and roll it's a, and that's cool as well. So, but yeah, I, and that I, sounds really good. Like I've never heard the original, but yeah. I think it opens really well. I didn't even know who it was a cover of. If you'd have said to me, you Someone know, what exactly the, is this a cover of? I, I would have said some sort of seventies hard rock band. No, I think it's someone in the Skylarks and it's Skyliners. 50, Skyliners, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a, I'm sure it's fifties rock and roll. It's kind of like um, sad. Uh, the one of the sad songs during the Enchantment Under the Sea dance at the end of the Back to the Future, mm. a film which I believe. You quite like. I like that film. Yeah, uh, I, I love it as well. I think it's brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, you know that's awesome. I think, you know it starts with that, and then well, I feel like we should gradually move into controversies, um, beginning with Guns N' Roses, ends with. Um, Can I just add, by the way? Um, I also, I really like the New York Dolls cover because I, that's the, an, a really obvious fit for Guns N' Roses. Which was the New York Dolls? Um, human being. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you've already said that. What do you think of, um, just very quickly, the T-Rex Soundgarden mashup, Bewick McCain and Big Dumb Sex? Um, it's slight, isn't it? It's, what do you mean it's slight? Well, it's short. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. I think it takes the best bit from both songs and puts mashes them together, though, which means I kind of prefer it to both. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's not my favourite Soundgarden song. And no, it's no. not. A, it's not a... Um, a t-rex song which i'm even particularly familiar oh, with. right okay okay so all right just curious know. um yes yeah, so very controversially uh this album has a few seconds of silence towards the end after the uh, i don't care about you cover from fear mm-hmm. uh, hold on by fear um and then a cover of charles manson's look at your game girl comes in with a kind of uh rumba et- not rumba beat it's just more kind of it's on fucking bongos isn't it mm. that's what i mean in it um, which was probably the second most thing, the second most controversial thing Guns N' Roses recorded after One in a Million. Yeah, um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I mean, I thought the biggest cunt we'd be talking about this week would be Vibeca and Ezra Ian Watkins, but then <laughs> Charles Manson's probably even more of an even bigger <laughs> asshole than than those two. Yeah, and they got a lot of shit for that as well, didn't they? They got so much shit to it for it. To the point where uh, I believe new pressings of the Spaghetti Instant now don't have uh, the song on I didn't know that. I don't know that for a fact. They were definitely talking about doing that. And certainly when they re-released GNR Lies, which is the the EP that um, One in a Million was on, Mm. um, as part of a package with Appetite for Destruction a couple of years ago, and just very quietly omitted one in a million from the track list. Yes, like, oh, I do know that's that. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if they got around to emitting Look at Your Game Girl or not. I mean, my version has it on it. Um, I mean, for Apparently such... he, they made a statement saying it was going to be taken off, but then it's still featured. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, even David Geffen was like, uh, if you look at some of the, the, the clippings of the controversy, even David Geffen's sort of gone. D- you shouldn't have done this, guys. To be honest, David Geffen, Geffen never 
liked or understood Guns N' Roses. He just liked mm-hmm. what he what they did for his bank balance. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. But um, but yeah, I mean that which which isn't me going. Therefore, Guns N' Roses were right. I mean, yeah. well, I... he says he said the fact that Charles Manson would be earning money based on the fame he derived committing one of the most horrific crimes of the 20th century is unthinkable to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fair play. Mm. But I mean, I can't argue with that. Um, I like the song itself that there's nothing vaguely controversial about the song it's the fact that it's written by charles manson yes that's, that's the issue yeah yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to the controversy regarding the slayer absolutely yeah. so we should probably again segue i mean i think that's an incredibly stupid and insensitive thing that guns and roses have done i'd probably them. agree with that yeah yeah, yeah. um uh and, and just we'll, trying to we'll decide who's the who's who's the the more guilty of the two okay. bands here um because interesting you use the word guilty as we're going <laughs> yeah. into this um so you know like i said i think it's kind of quite an achievement that slayer have managed to turn the aggression up on all of these songs and fair play to because they sound angry as fuck in the first place and fair yep. play to them for that other than uh the cover of guilty of being white um now guilty of being white is a song Written by Ian Mackay when he was in Minor Threat. Uh, Who, whose, whose morals are probably the exact opposite to Charles Manson's. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Um, so it's become a kind of contentious song, I think, over the years, Guilty of Being White. And like for me, knowing the sort of backstory of it, which is that in Washington, Ian Mackay was, would go to, you know, reggae shows. He'd go to, you know... Um, to places where he was surrounded predominantly by um, African American friends, who who are his friends, and I'm I, I, there is weirdly uh, a kind of I believe a touch of humour to the song because as far as I'm aware, Ian Mackay has written it as people would kind of you know jab at him for being white uh, and. But in a friendly manner. In a sort of friendly, you know, these people were actually his friends. So I'm not sure that, you know, a 16-year-old kid writing Guilty of Being White, which is a song about um, acceptance and, um, you know, uh, treating everybody as the individual that you find in front of you. Right. That's sort of ultimately what it is about. It's about not allowing outside sources to affect the prejudice of you know kind of other prejudices to affect how you treat someone that you've just met mm. i've always thought of it as an anti-racism statement yes. you know in this case ian mckay was the minority um, people, people talk about the white man's burden sometimes as well in terms of um sort of uh in in, in relation to third world countries and so on and so forth and it's mm. the same it's the same rhetoric if you're familiar with that right white yeah. man's burden well. um and so guilty of being white uh the song written by a teenager um a song written in a particular set of circumstances a song written by somebody who probably never thought he would go on to become you know this incredibly influential Influential, huge (laughs) you know uh name checked individual spokesman we spoke last week about straight edge and ian mckay you know accidentally creating an entire scene yeah uh, which which has now splintered off into all manner of areas Mm. um so that's what i've always felt like the song was about kerry king decided to change 
guilty of being white um, to guilty of being right, just to, in his words, piss people off, which it did. It pissed Ian Mackay off. Um, uh, Ian Mackay said he thought that doing that was, and I quote, so offensive to me. Um, now, as I said, that's what I think the song is about. In this instance, Slayer strip all of that nuance away from that song and they make a really class, a class, a really crass, blunt you versus me statement. And I can see why the person who wrote that song 10 years, 12 years before as a child, having grown up and probably maybe even feeling a slight bit of like, you know, maybe I, I, I feel disappointing that I look back on that song in, in that manner. I Maybe does, maybe doesn't. I have no idea. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's pretty irresponsible on Slayer's part. And pretty reprehensible as well. I agree. I th- I think it's fucking stupid. And yeah, and I like don't like that. No, I don't. I remember funnily enough, last week you said, um, oh, and we will be talking about guilty of white of being white. And a vague recollection went off in my head. I was like, I know that was vaguely controversial, but I cannot remember why. Went back to this record and started listening to it. And I'm listening to the song. I was like, what is it about? Why is this really controversial? I'm trying to remember. And about three seconds before Tom Araya says, guilty of being white at the end. Uh, uh, guilty of being right at the end. I was like, oh, I remember this. And that sinking feeling. Uh, I, I went back to the probably 15 years ago when I first heard it and, and the sinking feeling that I had when I first heard it, I felt really um, it felt grubby listening mm. to it it's just it's it's like it's like when someone tells a you know forgive the expression but off-color joke at a at a party and it doesn't go down well it's yeah. that exact it's that exact same feeling it's just like oh, did you have to mm. you know um, I mean listen right I've interviewed Kerry King before. I'm sure you have as well. No, I've uh, not. You haven't. Okay. No. Um, and he was a perfectly pleasant conversation that the two of us had. Um, but I've I've never really uh, I've never really felt like I like like I I liked Kerry King. I've never liked Kerry King. Yeah. He has very conservative views, which I. Um, personally find abhorrent i'm not going to go into them because i don't think any of them are i don't think any of them are actually public knowledge but then so i don't feel like i should well he's been he's been interviewed in kerrang going i wouldn't want to be stuck in a lift with a gay person yeah like i remember that and i remember being like i think you'll be fine mate (laughs) you know what i mean um and yeah so anyway um yeah he's a He's not very um, liberal. Well, no, he's not. And the thing is, it's like, yeah, Slayer are a band who were made, built to piss people off. Like, sure. That's what they want to do. Sure. And but it's for the, the most but part, the most childish form of pissing someone Yeah, I, I, off. Think that's, I think that's the thing is it's like, it's not even yours to piss people off with. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. But if you want to be like, I can, you know, uh, that would be, if I was Ian Mackay, I would, you know, I can see why he would be like, man, you're really not helping. Like, the guy's already got fucking straight edge on his conscience yeah, as it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, lo- it's the I mean? lowest common denominator form of pissing people off, I think. And I, I don't really have, I think people deserve to be pissed off sometimes, especially mm. if they're fucking dumb. But, <laughs> but you know, in, in, I just think, 
I mean, he even tried to pass it off as like a joke. And it's like, when you go in, I mean, you know, I don't want this to become like a history lesson, but when you go into the history and all that kind of stuff of where this stuff comes from, it's not a joke, really, is it? Yeah, it's a, sh- it's a shitty thing to do, I think. I'm 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 of the, you know, and I, I think you are too. Well, I definitely know you are because you're Mr. Controversy. But um, I do think that sometimes with comedians are asked like, um, you know, c- can you joke about anything? And mm. And I think to a degree, I think provided you approach it with the correct intent and that you're actually genuinely funny. Yeah. I actually think that there are ways to joke about more or less everything. I think there more are. More or less. There's yeah. certainly ways to joke about race. And I mean, race, I, and I, racism. I think I've said this before when I was doing, I, I was, I used to steam into everything when I was doing stand up. And I look back at some of the things I said and I and now I'm like, oh man, I can't believe you fucking mm. knobhead. Why did you say that? That was an awful thing. Mm. It's a horrible thing to say. Um, but at the time I, 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 used to do these sort of mental gymnastics to try and justify it Mm. and you will do that you will do these kind of mental gymnastics to try and justify yourself and sometimes you can't you know you just can't and in this case like (laughs) i would now look if you play me a video of me doing stand-up from 2008 and some shit i was saying i would not be able to go oh oh yeah but Mm. it would just be like yeah you got me Mm. that was a shitty Mm. thing to say Mm. whereas uh, would Kerry King turn around now and go, yeah, maybe I should have done that to somebody else's song. I, I don't think he would. I would like to think he would, but then I, I don't. don't. Listen, and you know, this isn't, I'm not fucking calling him out or cancelling him or anything like that. No. I still, I actually I still think the annoying thing is, is it's actually, you know, the, the, it's two minutes 11 long, this cover. Mm. Two minutes and nine seconds of it is, it's fine. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, literally the last two seconds. Yeah. And it feels like such a like, well, as, as I was saying, I think, I think, I think provided you bring, you know, enough, um, smarts and nuance and, and approach things from the, the correct way. I think you can get away with joking about almost anything. Mm. Um, but there is no nuance or smarts or, or there's nothing clever about this at all. Mm. It, uh, and so to dismiss it as though it's just a joke, it's just, yeah, but it's not funny. Mm. It's not like, it's just this, I, I think it's really fucking lame. Yeah. Shit. Um, so out of the two of them, I mean, it probably sounds obvious. I think, I don't, whilst I understand the controversy around the Charlie Manson stuff, um, I don't feel uncomfortable listening to it. Sometimes I tend to... Do you feel uncomfortable with the idea that that record would have sold a lot of copies? Because it's Guns N' Roses, they're the biggest band in the world, and that that meant whoever was getting, like, wherever that money was going, the estate of Charles Manson was benefiting. I mean, you know, there are other things, like Axl, Axl Rose was... He wore Charles Manson t-shirts. Wore Charles Manson t-shirt. Often. I mean, Darren from System of a Down, I've seen wearing Charles yeah. Manson t-shirts. And there's this whole, like, bullshit thing about, oh, he's really misunderstood. He's like, no, he wasn't. There's he's the, a fucking Well, psychopath. the whole the glorification of um, serial killers in America. I mean, we talked about the Natural Born Killers soundtrack uh, yeah. not too long ago. I mean, that's, that's a subject. I've never known anything like it, like Charles Manson. No, it's bizarre. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. yeah, it's really odd. Yeah. Um, I don't fully understand it at all. Um... Manson will was Charles Manson alive in ninety three late ninety three? Mate, he only died last year. Did he only die last year? Yeah. Oh right, yeah, okay. Um I do I feel comfortable with that. Uh not 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 hugely. No, no. no. Let's put it this way. Let's call it a draw. Um these both of these records I think have their good moments 
They both have their bad moments. They're both very interesting. I don't think either of them were conceived when the band were in a particularly good place. No. Um, I don't think either of them were thought about, given as much thought as maybe they uh, other covers albums have been. I think Metallica's S&M is a, you know, a really good example Garage of... Uh, Garage Inc, sorry, yes. What the fuck's wrong with me today? Um, Garage Inc is a really good example of uh, a covers album being done in the Incredibly right way. Well. Yep. Uh, whereas I think these two are lagging pretty far mm. behind um but saying that there are you know there are enjoyable moments on, on both of them very enjoyable very quickly i'm really bad glad you brought up garage drink because um the um the initial um oh, garage days ep yeah um i think you know they recorded in something like i believe it was like four to five days or something like that I noticed um, that Undisputed Attitude supposedly took three to four weeks to record. That's mad. I'm like, what the fuck were they doing? Like, I, I, I do find that absolute... Like, you shouldn't be spending that long on a covers record, to no. be honest. Of, I mean, of, of punk covers. Of, well, of punk covers particularly. Which is like 20-odd minutes long. Yeah, it? like in and out, bish, bash, bosh. And mm. that's part of the reason why... Um, Garage Days or Garage Inc or however you want to... Garage Days Revisited. Garage Days Revisited, however you want to compile yeah. it. That's part of the reason it works so well because, yeah. you know, and, and all over those the, those uh, the liner notes and stuff, they joke about how it says it's somewhat produced by Metallica and all yeah. that kind of thing. If you're going to do covers records, that's how you fucking do it, mm. you know? Um, Neither of these bands did, but then... And, and also both of these bands probably run by people who aren't the brightest. No, and, probably not. And both decided to do something which, in retrospect, was not a very good idea. But I think I think it's interesting that you know, I mean, <laughs> the the production credits um, of Undisputed Attitude have Dave Sardi and Rick Rubin on it, and like yeah. immediately it's like too much. <laughs> if it's, yeah. it's a punk covers record, just like you, you probably shouldn't have anyone in there. <laughs> you know, you should probably like it should probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but Rick Rubin don't do fucking anything apart from like walk no. in and go, "Good vibe, guys." Yeah, <laughs> good vibe. True, that's it. True, but Dave Sardi, we've talked about Dave. Yeah, Sardi a Dave Sardi's great. He's a yeah. phenomenal producer. He'd have been in Bark Market at that point as well. So yeah, yeah, he would have been, and, and I just think it's mad to get him in to do a to do a, a what is ostensibly a punk covers album. It's mm. ridiculous, but anyway, there you go. So yeah, similar in some ways different in others good in some ways really not good in others yeah uh slayer and guns and roses to close out the final trade-off for a while we're not going to say we'll never do this again no we do have 50 other albums 50 something 52 other albums to get through though remfrey because from next week we start a new segment where trade-off used to be broken records mm. um i have got you to bring a hat in i have named the hat after the agrophobic the classic agrophobic nosebleed song the hat full of shit now we <laughs> asked you we asked you um last week to give us some suggestions for what the worst records we're talking about the very very worst records ever made can we clarify this actually because we yes. got um we appreciate all everyone who got back to us so thank you very much and this isn't meant to cut out anyone or anything like that but when we say the very, very worst, like we had a, like some people yeah. suggesting St. Anger by Metallica. Yeah. No, 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 someone no, no. Someone's like, oh, um, someone said uh, uh, the, what's the, the Here and Now by Architects. Yeah. yeah. It's like, come yeah. on. No, we, we mean the absolute, um, well, 
Uh, <laughs> but we we meet we are talking about like i well, like we, someone said like every five finger death punch album it's like come yeah. on mate like we we've put in like we have put lulu by lou reed and metallica in but mm-hmm. i was thinking that i don't even think that is like that is not going to win in because because no. that's another thing we, we we want to make this a sort of league table don't we it's gonna be a league table so the so this is a mixture of some of your suggestions some albums that have appalling reviews on metacritic yeah some albums that are from lists of the worst albums ever made um some that we have suggested ourselves uh and yeah Uh, and so they're not always going to be like someone was like you know don't get too negative the thing is i think some of these records that we've picked the story about how they came around is fascinating so it's yeah. not that's not going to be negative and the reasons why they don't work for whatever reason um they they might have kind of stories as to why it didn't quite work yeah. and some of them i mean i'm gonna lie i looked at that that list and i, I put in some of the, the albums that have terrible reviews mm. and i was like well i actually don't mind that record there so, are one or two that i already know that i will have to defend a little bit mm. yes yes so I think this is going to be an interesting thing. But yeah. Renfrey is currently, we've put all of the albums, the 52 albums from the various sources uh, that we uh, that we have found them into the hat full of shit. And I think I'm about to pick the first yeah, one Yeah, I think you should pick the first okay. one. I, if you can hear rustling, if you've yeah. been able to hear rustling for the last minutes because I've been trying to mix them up. Now, currently, we're sticking it at number one. Streets in the Sky by, Enemy, by The Enemy, which mm. we did on Trailer a few, few weeks ago, currently sits as the... I guess the equator of badness. Yeah. So um, we actually were like, well, it's not as bad as a lot of other things, but it's been reviewed terribly. So we're keeping it in there. It's, th- it's, it's not a bad place to start to have a barometer. Yeah. So. so the enemy streets in the sky starts at number one in our search for the worst. Currently, currently, currently the worst record. Currently the, the worst record. Worst out of one. Um, I'm going to pick one out now. Oh, I've got like three. This is not what it's doing, am I? No, no, oh, okay. There we go. Got one. Um, so next week, we will be doing... Ah! Oh, <laughs> Graveyard Classics 2 by Six Feet Under, oh, which okay. I know is Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse doing an ACDC covers album. Oh, goodness me. Okay. So, um, yeah, that should be pretty interesting. So come back next week. <laughs> will that be better or worse? <laughs> 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 than streets in the sky by the enemy it's this already be... feels like a ridiculous feature in terms of like how do we compare those two albums well but hey but it'll be fun to try worse? yeah it'll so um yes thank you very much come back next week hope you've enjoyed the show we will be back um with new albums and reviews from new albums by the likes of murka hyborian and hey don't think that we've completely given up on the controversy issue we might be doing a new morrissey as well we might be <laughs> unless you shit yourself and go (laughs) i don't want to be too nice to it um go over to musicism.net put right in capitals in the checkout to get 25 percent off all of your courses and we'll be back next week oh chatting about six feet under what a start that's going to be nice lovely